0: This is Urasawa Boys, a podcast where we read and discuss the works of uh, manga artist and author Naoki Urasawa. Uh, Right now, we're reading Monster, and Monster deals with a lot of dark and troubling topics and themes, so a list of content warnings is going to be available in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Hi
1: everybody. I'm uh I'm Quinn. I'm Matt
0: Fino. Welcome back to Urasawa Boys. It's a show where we read the works of uh manga artist and author, Naki Urasawa, and we have like opinions and Sometimes, sometimes we, thoughts.
1: Like,
0: thoughts on a good day. Discussions
1: right? occasionally. Ooh, man! we've been known to talk if the mood <laughs> strikes us.
0: If there's one thing, if there's one thing we're known for, <laughs> it's for talking when the mood strikes, and I'd say that I'd say the mood striking a little bit. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well. Well, Matt how how are you?
1: I'm good. It's it's a Friday. Um, I have a mustache right now. That's different. Um, yeah, and a
0: little in a little. uh I guess it's a trucker patch because like a soul patch is the lower part of the chin, but this is like right below the lip. It's so right it's- under
1: my lip. Yeah, I don't know what possessed me to shave it that way. Well, actually, I can tell you exactly what. So, what i'll, I'll yeah. Well, last weekend, uh my best friend, my best friend Andrew and I. When and when I say best friend, I every all the listeners need to know. All of my friends are my best friends. Quinn is my best friend. Right, right. Andrew is my best friend. Ryan and Ethan are my best friends. Jared is my best friend. None of them listen to the show. But just, you know, just so they they'll, they'll listen eventually. And I need to make sure I inventory all of them, I think. is. is the thing. <laughs> um, but Andrew and I went to Bonnaroo last weekend, which is a music festival in Manchester, Tennessee, and had a terrible time. <laughs> it
0: was... <laughs> <laughs> was it actually bad?
1: I mean, I'll, I'll I won't do the long version, but um, so we drove up on Thursday night. The music festival started on Thursday night with Thursday night was like EDM night, and we it was like, well, that's not for us,
0: right? Right? Um,
1: but we drove up after dinner on Thursday night and waited in a line for about four hours to get into the campsite. Um, we got in around 1 p.m. and set up our tent in the dark. Andrew's arm is broken right now, so I had to set up the tent by myself in the dark, I presume. Uh, 1 a.m. Yeah, in the morning. Uh, set up the tent got to sleep at about two, maybe three. At about 5 a.m., a van full of kids from Miami rolled into the campsite next to us and were very, very, very loud. Um, so that woke us up.
0: So we can just kind of presume that this sort of thing like, kick continued.
1: This is what kicked the weekend off, right? We woke up mm-hmm. at 6 a.m. and it was already mm-hmm. one of the hottest days I've ever experienced. God. We had to walk about two miles to get ice for our cooler so we weren't drinking, like, hot water, Um, and then uh, we looked at the schedule, and this was something we knew going into the weekend, but we looked at the schedule and realized that the music didn't start until 6 p.m., and at that point, it was about 8 a.m., so we're like, we're going to have to be out here all day, and we got very dehydrated and very sunburnt, and uh, our attempts to take a nap were foiled by the kids from Miami doing an impromptu DJ set. One of them had a microphone. What? And was, Yeah. (laughs) Um, Anyway, well, I
0: guess if you want to take anything from this, listeners uh, Don't go to Bonnaroo Bonnaroo sucks
1: Some hippies stole uh, one of our mattresses in my wagon Because we left our campsite up We ended up, we didn't sleep there the rest of the weekend We just drove back to my apartment and did day trips We gave up at 7pm on Friday And went back home We missed all of the music on Friday Man, It was not a good time I mean, look, everyone had a good time I'm sure, the music was very good the bands that we saw were fun, but I can't do a camping weekend at a music festival in my advanced years.
0: <laughs> so... Yeah, you but have it, to be really willing to put up with some serious bullshit.
1: It was a lot, um, but going back to the initial, what kicked off this story was when we got back on Friday evening, uh, I was I still had, like, full beard at that point, and it was starting to look pretty grungy, and as part of my, like, stabilizing myself on Saturday morning, I shaved the beard down to a mustache, and it really helped
0: great <laughs> yeah.
1: awesome sometimes haircuts will do that you know
0: i absolutely know what you mean yeah yeah sometimes I, I used to back when i had hair listeners i guess you probably don't know but i'm quite this bald is a these days yeah this is a quinn hair reveal which is that i don't have any um but i used to have a lot of hair and i definitely remember like getting haircuts at important junctures in life i like doing that sort of thing
1: I mean, we haven't talked about Scott Pilgrim a lot on this show. But no, we both, but... <laughs> we are both fans of Scott Pilgrim. Yes. Uh, one of the, my favorite bits in that story is that he knows exactly how long it's been since he had his last salon haircut because it was right before a bad breakup. Because listeners, I have always had haircut anxiety. It is a big part of my personality is if I get my haircut, will I be the same person? Uh, that That's maybe going a bit too hard, but that is... A big part of how of I roll.
0: Um, I've
1: wanted to get a mullet for a couple years and I, I finally s- got it this year. It is, yeah. that has been like
0: it works. since
1: 2019, I have wanted to get a mullet.
0: What I want is a beard. I have a goatee. My my facial hair naturally grows in good. a goatee. It's yeah. a good it's a good one, but what I really want is I want the full beard. So I just hope that as I get older it'll be more doable. Yeah. Because uh, it comes in patchy on the sides. And I just think I'd I'd be good Same with here. the full beard, but uh, you know, I'm fine with the goatee as is. I look a lot I look a lot older I look a lot older or more. I don't distinguished. know. Distinguished. Eh, no, not distinguish. Yeah, rugged perhaps. History definitely. My my mustache actually can curl up at the sides.
1: Can you uh, really? How does yeah. that work? Literally,
0: I just like I'm doing it right now.
1: Look at that.
0: If I just like like guy the hair a bit.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, you got it. Yeah. that's sick yeah like if, I, if mine... I
0: wanted mustache wax like if i had been if i had been born earlier right i could have really been like a hipster mustache guy when that was like a peak
1: kind of In guy. 2012. Be, like, yeah.
0: exactly exactly yeah. you know back when hipster was a word that meant something
1: um, right? before it was just the catch-all
0: I mean, I just I don't even hear it anymore because like the whole point of hipster is that you are making fun of somebody for being in a subculture. But these days, everyone's in a subculture.
1: Yeah, you know. I, mean, I and, made a joke a couple like, weeks ago about us being Brooklyn podcasters, yeah, and then yeah, I thought about it and I was like, the closest Whoa. thing. We were, you were recording a lot of those episodes from Brooklyn, so, like, that wasn't completely wrong. (laughs)
0: Well, And it also feels like a lot of the stuff that, like, used to be attributed to hipsters has split off into its own thing. Like, vegan is its own thing, Mm -hmm. like, coffee person is their own thing, vinyl person is their own thing, like, there's, like, all of this stuff is now, it's all modular.
1: (laughs) To be fair, I think vegan has always been its own thing, but you're right, all of those other things are, yeah, like, coffee and vinyl and all that stuff yeah
0: because like you could be because now you could be like a coffee vinyl person but also like a tech person which didn't really that doesn't jive with a 2012 hipster i feel like yeah. we're losing the plot a little bit here. i don't know i um. mean like
1: yeah let's just very quickly before we get into monster let's say the type of hipster that we are because i am a coffee Ooh. hipster oh sure you you're definitely i have a the little hipster. i have the little hand mill where i do like this you know where you grind uh-huh, your beans uh. in the like a mario party game right Ah,
0: oh, what kind of a hipster am I? That's actually, that's a really interesting question. I think I would have to be a health food hipster.
1: Oh, well, yeah, I mean, you're doing your yeah. apple cider vinegar shots. You're drinking yeah, vinegar. Yeah, I mean,
0: yeah, 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 you know, yeah. I, like, I like vinegar. Uh, I was raised by hippies. Um, okay. So, like, we always shopped at, like, the health food store. When were I your parents born? How
1: old are your parents? Because mine are, like, seventy yuppies, and so I think the thing. Okay, minor sixty. 65. They, they
0: had me pretty young. They had me pretty young. Um, okay. I'm actually older now than my dad, than my parents were when they had me, which makes me feel... Uh, Isn't hmm. that a
1: wild thing to think about? Well, hey, I mean, mostly my... it
0: just makes me worried because I want my kids to have a lot of time with my dad, so I'm kind of looking at the at the mm, clock there being yeah. like, damn, I kind of need that wife to show up, huh? Um, yeah. So anyway, listeners, if any, Nope, I'm not encouraging that. No, um, do not do that. No, we said a couple it, episodes ago, it.
1: do not <laughs> tell you... Do not <laughs> tell us if you have a crush on me. Do not offered to become quinn's wife (laughs) don't
0: don't do it don't do it Um, that's not
1: healthy that's parasocial that's what that is i've um
0: we just this week looked up it looked it up in the dictionary Um, i looked it up what do we think about this reading of monster matt
1: I have been dying to keep reading since I read this. This one is such a suspenseful. And also, I say this every time, I say this yeah. every time. Yeah. I do not understand how there are three volumes of this comic left because of the way that this last chapter goes. That is a that is a last volume chapter that we're dropping here at the end of this one. I don't know why we're doing it now. Like how can I mean, I guess what we'll are we see. doing? <laughs> We'll see if it's like a good
0: or a bad move as we get there because we I like,
1: I'm going to say bad yeah. move because I, let me I, tell I, you what that chapter made me cry the first time I read it made me cry again about 20 minutes ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that chapter that, that is something you deploy good. at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested cuz like really when it comes to something that's kind of long running or something that is specifically like this is a single story, right? And Monster falls into that category of this is all one story. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Especially for something like this, how it ends, how all those threads come together and how they're all tied up, that's what tells you, like, how successful or unsuccessful something is, right? And I, let me be clear, that's not good or bad. It's successful and unsuccessful, right? We're getting into the Quinn school of of. Uh, oh, this of is
1: interesting, the a- criticism analysis. thing, where it's like, well, do we yeah. judge something on how well it accomplished what it was trying to do exactly. or on how I liked it, right? I
0: mean, I think good or bad, like, most often— Right. On average, something that is successful in its stated goals is more likely to be good. Right. Mm-hmm. This isn't true all the time because, because there are lots of things that accomplish on their stated goals and are also bad. And are bad. Yeah. yeah. Such as the transphobia and monster. That's pretty effective. You know, yeah. it, it does what it's supposed to do in the story. And yet it's also bad. Right. So it's a great example of how of how there are of how a piece of art is built up of choices. And how, like, any choice that we make in life, we have a a goal that this choice is trying to achieve, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. And this, this personally, I think is a good way to look at art, Um, because even though uh, trying to analyze what something is trying to do that's still a subjective thing, it is still better than relying solely on how much you like or dislike something.
1: Yeah, and this is uh, I so my my best friend Jared, who I mentioned earlier in the roster of best friends. He's a he's a right. high school English teacher. Um and one of the arguments that we get in a lot, I think is about in the ways that we differ in media criticism, right? Where one of the things that has happened most often is he so we argue about TV a lot, right? Because sure. I don't like it when TV shows are when they do like the 12-hour movie thing, right? Where it's like, "Oh, this is really a 12-hour movie." Because you're doing a TV show, my opinion is you should treat episodes as episodes, right? Yeah. Like, tell a story in each unit that you're doing if you're doing serialized storytelling, right? And I totally. don't think—like, I'm not against, you know, when we're doing multi-parters or long-running things or development yeah. across a series, but I do think that— like, Stranger Things, I think, was the last big one that we got into an argument about. Like, the most recent season of Stranger Things, I thought sucked as a TV show, the way that it broke the episodes up. Um, and I, I thought it just completely failed. And the thing that he says a lot is, well, you have to take the whole thing in context. And I disagree with that, because I think, I, yeah, I don't well, really the, think the, the whole context thing in is context,
0: important. Well, the context is important, it but It is, also, but it isn't. Well, right? I mean, it just feels like... Uh, sorry, Jared, but it feels like he's not following his premise through because part of the context of a TV show is that is it's, that a, TV it's a TV show that yes. is being released in episodes. Yes. So it's the the more contextual way to analyze it is is by realizing. All gonna, I'm very
1: glad you're you on know, my side on this and that yeah. also you've given me this ammo that I will use in our next argument um, about this. So you know, it's, uh, it's like
0: we said in the very first episode talking about, you know, talking about episodic release schedules and and what that does for a piece of media and Mm -hmm. what it changes and how you have to you know keep um how it creates a sequence of promises that you have to deliver on in order to keep people coming back to keep them satisfied uh, to build sense, like there's all these mechanical differences that being released episodically does, and we can also, I mean, there's a, uh, Netflix has come under flack. The most, the biggest example that I can think of recently is JoJo, right? JoJo's Part Six, right? Yeah, they how, Netflix how and Netflix flat and it batches. fell
1: because of the way they did it.
0: Exactly, every, and that really fucking sucks, and that's because JoJo is designed around that episodic release structure. Binging it, uh. Like, obviously, you can binge it. If it's all already out, you can binge it. But a lot of that initial hype is built up by the space between things, because Mm -hmm. that is how JoJo was written. And that is what the episodic formula does for a piece of media. It really feels like you get the sense that what Netflix is thinking and maybe what your friend is thinking is that, like, pieces of art are by nature- one thing atomic yeah yeah atom- wow matt jesus fucking christ i feel like i feel like i i mean that's, oh, not, a that that's, that's not a five dollar that's not a five dollar word that's like i feel like scrooge <laughs> mcfucking duck you know that that oh my oh, listeners geez. i did
1: a double-handed uh, rock, yeah. you know, with my you know, the the, the goat horns. I did double-handed I love that one off. That felt the, good. I love the
0: right word in the right place and let me yeah. tell you, that was really, that was gorgeous, Matt. Well, um,
1: I have thought about this a lot, yeah. I think is the thing, about media and like, what is the right way to talk about it? What is the right way to analyze it? Because in mm. like, going back, so this is we're really doing a long preamble to this one, but like, we're I late think, recording this. I think, well, now this. we're at
0: least talking about monsters. Yeah, we're talking
1: about stuff. So, so. we're late recording this because my brother called me uh, and we had a long conversation and one of the things we talked about is you know one of the things i've always said about my brother is he does not have strong opinions about media and like that is not Mm. a good or a bad thing he just when i ask him about a movie he just says yeah it was fine i liked it whatever and my friend andrew pointed out that a lot of times i will do the same thing where i just say yeah it's fine um where was I going with this? Now I lost. I lost the thread oh, no. that I was going to from Atomic. But I think a lot of times uh, you can have a. I think there's like the big picture opinion that I have about things, right? Where it's like good or bad. That is that is because I come from the school of like I learned how to read and write by reading Nintendo Power magazine, which was a. It was the corporate organ of the Nintendo of America Corporation that Mm -hmm. reviewed their games and wrote previews and guides and things like that. But I learned my critical voice comes from growing up reading Nintendo Power. And video game criticism in the 90s and 2000s was a lot of, should you buy this thing? Thumbs up, thumbs down, right? Mm -hmm. So like a lot of my critical apparatus comes to, on a whole, do I accept, do I, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down to this thing? But, you know, as we talk about it, obviously... And this was the thing we talked about last time. Is I think we can like things and talk about the things that we think that those things do poorly. Yeah, which um, is what we're
0: seeing a lot. Like, I mean, we're seeing kind of a push for that and kind of new media, new media criticism and new games journalism. Tim Rogers, another Tim person we're a fan Tim of. Rogers. Yep. yep, Tim Rogers. Yahtzee is another great example of what of what modern games journalism is about. If we're talking about YouTube channels that we think do good games journalism, I just watched a great review of this exact thing, of talking about what we like and dislike about something, a review of Final Fantasy sixteen by a channel called Skill Up. Uh, oh, I think Skill Up's a good one. Skill yeah. Up's really good. You know, that guy, very even-handled. So, you know, it's... Um, but getting back, getting back to getting back to, to atomic, uh, you know. Oh but no, atomic. There's, yeah, yeah better, so better the, the Netflix school, to. the Netflix school of of binge art is basically saying a single piece of art is only a single piece of art, mm-hmm. and the only reason to and that's just split not true. It, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, they think the only reason to split it up is like something like technological constraints or time constraints, or just like well, it, you know, like it it's better for sales. And it's like, no, sorry, we aren't... Like, serialization didn't come about just because it's better for sales. Serialization has... I mean, maybe it did. I don't know. Maybe it it started that way, but but the serialized structure has obvious benefits and obvious drawbacks that we can't just cut out in favor of the binge. And trying to do so and trying to analyze... Pieces of art that have episodes as being a single thing is doing the whole deal a disservice. And when we see stuff that is technically episodic but isn't constructed with that structure in mind, we start to see flaws because they're not really—they're not making this piece of media for the medium yeah. that it's in. And that's what happens when you get something like Stranger Things. Like you're complaining about a 12-hour movie. It's not a 12-hour movie. It's 12 one-hour movies. I mean, and, and you can and listeners- tell the difference.
1: Yeah, let me be clear. I liked the most recent season of Stranger Things a lot, but Mm -hmm. I do have problems with the way that it is set up. And I think it would be better if you did the consideration, like Quinn said, right? If you treated it like a season of TV, which I think the first season did extremely well, right? Like every episode in that first season is a banger. The show took off for a reason, and I think a lot of it is because it leaned into... I mean, at the end of every episode of Stranger Things, you're like, well, I got to watch one more. I got to watch one more. And it's because mm. it is episodes and not, you know, a 12 hour exactly. movie.
0: You don't get, you do not get that kind of cliffhanger, I need one no. more, if the people creating it don't know they're making an episodic show. When
1: right? you're watching a movie and you hit pause yeah. and you see that there's an hour and a half left, the, the thing that you feel is dread. When exactly. you're watching a oh show God, yeah. and it says next episode starts in three seconds, the thing that you feel is excitement.
0: Yeah, and I it, just very finished. different. Just this last week, I finally watched season one of Fargo. You want to yeah. talk about a Fargo's show? Good. You want to talk about a show? It's so good. I cannot believe it took me so long to watch it. It's so quincore. Um, oh, you know, yeah. And I expect. I expect if you're listening to this show and you like this show there's no reason why you wouldn't like fargo i i think is is kind yeah. of my feeling about it you should watch fargo i started season two
1: we'll see how that goes um uh but yeah but who who is the main actor in season two Man.
0: is it is that the carrie coon season or it's, is it the, the it's the, the, the guy next one?
1: it's the dude i don't know
0: Car- what's how do Is I it
1: know? jesse plemons is that the season two one yeah i think hang on so. let me look it up i, I think <laughs> i think it is fake matt damon from breaking bad Breaking Make Bad is another Matt example. Damon
0: from Breaking, like example. I
1: watched Breaking yeah. Bad last summer, and you did too. I know with Maya, right?
0: I I watched some of it. It didn't stick, which okay. is interesting. God, we could we could talk a while about Fargo. We should really we gotta we gotta reel this, this thing in. We'll I think reel it in, yeah. yeah. I think we've, but listeners, I I think especially if you're also readers, like you, you will. I think you have an idea of how what we're saying is connecting back to this reading of monster and to monster as a whole right because i guess this this whole thing started with me saying like we are getting to the point where we will be able to to talk about the object as a whole
1: yeah as opposed to episodically yes
0: yeah um and i definitely think that the last couple of readings i want to see them in context
1: I do too, and I'm I'm excited to do. Do you think? Hang on, we haven't really talked about this. Let's talk about this mm. live on the air. Yeah. Do we do an episode after we finish the reading? That's just a wrap up.
0: A wrap. I think so. Okay. I think so. I
1: think that's good. Wow, who cool robot because, does
0: that? You know. Oh, so. do they? Okay, that's yeah. smart. Yeah, they also have a. They have a, a ranking. They like rank the the suits that show up that's part oh, of their yeah of their yeah, do it's gundam yeah yeah i we don't, don't know can't what,
1: really rank i don't know maybe we could pick <laughs> our favorite feel, character
0: i don't i don't want to but like tenma is my
1: favorite character is i love I all the other characters mind. but i, I love tenma really um, is no. lunga
0: gosh do i have a fa- it might be grimmer honestly
1: um really i like uh, grimmer a lot but i know
0: that he's like test tube designed to be your favorite character yeah he is but it worked it worked yeah. on me, you know what I mean. Or it could also there's be there's a lot of stuff in this reading I that love is Reichwein. does,
1: oh, Reichwein's fantastic. He he's has some so good. good moments he's so in good. this I, reading. I
0: love that he's back. Can't wait yes. to talk about him. Do we? We have, should probably start talking about Monster yeah, well, Do we? Do Twenty we have minutes any, into the recording. Jesus Christ. Do we have any? <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> uh, do we have any overall thoughts on this reading and the flow of it?
1: I think it's a. This is a perfect thriller construction in this in this reading. Um there's one chapter in particular that is like peak page turner. Um and I yep. think that's like a lot of what this reading is operating on is we're unraveling the mystery because like last reading we said we're setting up a lot of the dominoes. Yeah. We we haven't started we haven't quite knocked them over yet, but like we're getting closer and closer to like figuring out big things, right? There's big revelations that are coming.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um I'm really yeah, those big revelations that are coming, in kind of the way that uh, the 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 characters and the things that this reading, what this reading does in particular is it is bringing stuff back, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's retrieving things and showing you the function that they now have in much this like new-
1: Lunga does with his mnemonic computer.
0: yeah mm, mm, indeed yeah recalling you know so it's like so the last couple of readings you you know uh 10 so episode 10 and 11 right volumes 10 and 11
1: the stuff in Prague.
0: yeah the the stuff in Prague. it's we were talking about how this is a new mode this is a new thing we're starting season two and we had to get established with that before before it made any sense to start bringing stuff back it would feel a bit cheap if we like okay here's some new stuff ah but here's the stuff you love um so i think that urusawa really waited just long enough to start bringing back these characters and bringing back these threads
1: it is really interesting how munich and prague but like each time we've gone to these new cities it's been we're introducing a new set of whatever how mm. different kind of those two starts have felt right
0: oh big time i mean i mean the difference the difference between Carl's story and Jan's mm-hmm. story, uh or you know, Grimmer and and
1: uh I think Grimmer is you know? really the the focus character in I would say. the prog stuff, more than yeah. Jan. I mean I love Jan. Jan is <laughs> Matt Finell. We've talked about it a lot of yeah. times. But... Oh
0: god, Matt, one more one more tiny digression. You know that Gus Grimley is just Matt, right? Who? fargo from fargo season oh one. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 that's yeah. he even looks yeah. like you a little bit i love it i love it when there's a matt character that looks like matt it's my favorite that's,
1: that's tom Hanks' son right fuck is it i'm pretty sure yeah Jesus. i'm pretty sure that's okay. colin hanks let me look uh, it up real quick
0: <laughs> oh it might oh man that's 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 wild i mean um, he
1: is a very matt coded character yeah that's that's colin hanks that's crazy <laughs> uh, okay all right Let's I'd forgotten his name, but yeah, you're right. I love that him. is I love that him. is a that's a Matt. Yeah.
0: And a Matt character with a good ending, which is rare. Uh yeah. No,
1: rare. listeners, <laughs> if you're listening, Matt will have a tragic ending 5 <laughs> to 6 to 7 years from now. We don't know. Oh, Hopefully God. longer than that.
0: Hopefully longer than that. We got to finish this <laughs> podcast, man. Um let's let's do it. Let's summarize yeah. chapter 96.
1: Chapter 96, A Long Vacation. Shocking everyone at the BKA office, Detective Lunga has decided to take his first ever vacation to Prague. He takes in the sights and pays a visit to Chief Nepola, who he'd met at an Interpol conference a few years ago. Nepola tells him about the Detective Suit case, and Lunga notes the similarities to Tenma's case. Before leaving, he asks if Nepola can help him translate a copy of The Nameless Monster that he picked up at a bookstore. Lunga then visits Suk's friends, who vouch for his innocence, and tell Lunga about the girl that Suk had been seeing, Anna Lieber. Again, Lunga notes the connections to Tenma's case. The next day, Lunga visits the publishing house that put out The Nameless Monster, and asks for information on its author, Emil Sherp. The man working there says all that stuff happened under a different director under the old regime, but remembers some of Sherb's other pen names. The two are then able to find a box labeled Claw's Pop one of those pen names, which contains a sketchbook with pictures of a pregnant woman, infant twins, and young children, a boy and a girl with the same face. Nepola calls Lunga to let him know the translation is finished and reads him the last line. Finally, the monster had a name, but there was no one to call him by it. It was a shame, because Johan was such a wonderful name. bum. Bum bum.
0: Looks like it's going to be a long vacation.
1: I, I love that line. I love yeah. the bit about him trying to figure out like how do I behave on vacation. It's so funny. Like, it's very good.
0: There's a lot of characters in this manga that like have a difficult time in the world.
1: Yeah. Um, you know That's like, a good I hadn't thought about it, yeah. but that's a good way of putting it.
0: I, I hadn't really I hadn't considered how many it was until just now, but it really monster's full of a lot of people who have a, a difficult time being part of of the overall like culture for some reason or another. Tenma feels alienated. Johan's alienated. Grimmer's alienated. Uh Link is alienated. There is uh Ava Heinemann. She's she's uh, a fucking, you know, alcoholic. She's alienated. Yeah. Like there's all of these people who who are distanced in in one way or another from normalcy. And um and i just think that's very very interesting right because i mean like in any given story especially in thrillers that's not uncommon you know no. cuz being separated being distance is kind of necessary for the heightened uh lives that they must live in order to be interesting uh thriller characters
1: yeah i mean i feel like that but, goes back to like film noir like detectives mm, right like yeah. you know people who are sad boys who sad <laughs> who boys. are solving crimes they're
0: on the out- they're, they're on the outside looking in yeah. you know Uh, yeah, but, uh, I, I think, I think it's a, I I think the quality of it is, is kind of unusual in Monster, because they're not just outcasts, they are uncertain. Like we said, they don't know how to, they don't know how to act, they don't know what's proper. Um, you know, and it, it plays into the stuff that Monster's talking about with nature versus nurture, you know, mm. what does it, you know, what is it, what does it mean to be in the world? What does it mean to be a part of the world? Uh, I mean,
1: connections and relationships and all exactly. that stuff. That's it's like all huge here. that stuff. Yeah.
0: It's all that good stuff. You know, I mean, on the first the page juice. of this chapter, on this page of this chapter, they say, no wonder his wife and daughter left him, you know, so.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I I like, like I said, I like vacation mode Lunga a lot. I think, and I said this the last time we had a Lunga chapter, I have turned on him since the end of Mm. the first season, you know, quote unquote, because of the big reveal that I think he has at the end, right, where he realizes there is more going on, I think. And it's, it's interesting to see him start... Working in on that because he is a person who like just directly is going to get to the bottom of this as opposed to taking nine volumes to figure out what's going on and I I appreciate that about him so I think this is where kind of the atomic nature that we talked about earlier in this episode comes in right like you had said from the start Lunga is one of your favorite characters yes. I think for me as a serial reader he was an antagonist for a long time and Absolutely. like now that I am starting Absolutely. to see his full picture um. I can. I think I see where you're coming from, and yeah. saying that this is a character that you really like.
0: Well, there's an interesting. There's actually there's a a phrase that I used to use back in my theater days, um, which is that plays are four dimensional, mm. which is to say that if something is true at one point in the play, it is true at all points in the play. Uh, and I, oh, I you damn. know, I, I think that I think that counts for this, right? So lunga as antagonist that's true across the whole thing lunga as as protagonist or as is co-investigator that's also true across the whole thing right so when we're looking at the when we're looking at the atomic view it's think of like it's about, quantum now exactly because everything's true at yes. once
1: look at this yes look at what we're doing to fiction you know
0: and and look at you can think of it as being pointillist in a sense right each instance of a character each panel a character is in is a single dot and once we see the whole picture of all of these dots then then it zooms out and it makes that full character right but each dot is its own experience yes. and we and we take each one as it as it comes. Both are true um, at
1: once, yeah.
0: Yeah, the whole deal is true at once. Um. And so we can, you know, as we zoom in on different areas, we're like, okay, this grouping is kind of more this color. This grouping is kind of more this color. And then, you know, there's so there's, there's all of these different scales at which media, at, at which fiction and art works at. And it's fun to jump between them and be like, how does it look from this angle? What do we think about it from this angle? And Lunga is particularly a really good character to kind of play with that with when it comes to Monster, uh, because we see him from different angles doing different things and having different beliefs. Yeah. Uh, You know, so, yeah, he's just a really fun character to think and to talk about. And I love seeing him on vacation, too.
1: It's great. I love that he goes to the cafe and orders a coffee and then says, wait, I'm on vacation. Bring me a beer.
0: Exactly. You know, he's like, ah, people drink beer on vacation. Uh, And the guy brings him a pratroy, which is, in fact, something that uh, if you drink beer... Yeah, bar corner, quince bar corner, a prostroy is not as uh, funky or um, foreign as it may sound. You're like, ooh, what's that? Fancy Czech beer. You know this. This is a pilsner or quell. Look at um, you. Yeah, educating well... Educating us. <laughs> I did have to Google it. I didn't know what a prostroy was. Uh, <laughs> but uh, a pilsner or for those of you who don't know, is actually the pilsner. It comes from uh, the Czech town, Pusin, Uh, and... It is the first Pilsner. Wow. Uh, yes. So Prostroy means uh, the original source or primordial source, and it's called that because this was the first Pilsner. Uh, it began in the mid-1800s, and all other Pilsners or light ales of that sort that you have ever drunk, it all is an imitation or a spinoff or has taken inspiration from Pilsner Urquell. Uh, it's, um, it's a light, it's a light beer that's made with, uh, what are called Saz hops, uh, which is, or, uh, also called Czech hops, uh, because they are, like, native to around there, and they have a distinct flavor. It's got a little bit of a, it's got a little bit of a bitter bite, but it creates a very easy-drinking, light kind of a beer, uh, that's super popular across the world. It's some of my favorites. I love a Pilsner. I love a Czech-style Pilsner. Um, you know, and of course, like, of course, if you order a beer in Prague, you're gonna get a Pilsner Urquell. Uh, that's that's just how it is. There's there's other brands that are popular around there, of course. But you know, if you're making if you're like not from the Czech Republic and you're making a, a manga there, you do doing a touristy You, thing. you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're getting no. you're getting that. And like and I still I love a, I love a Pilsner Urquell, man. Um, it's really tasty. Uh, so yeah, there you go. That's the that's the bar corner. Um. Yeah, I wasn't sure where we were yeah. going
1: to fit it in this time, and I'm I'm glad that we got you it. You gave me this just This the has right, been very informative. Just the yeah. right
0: thing. Yeah. Um. And you were right about Chief Nepola being a good cop. Yeah, I no, was no. sure. And I think
1: this really nails it in that yes. it's it's like the whole. And I appreciate the way that this does feel like the beginning of a, another volume of the Tonkaban, right? Where it's like, okay, let's review all of the kind of more complicated than we've had to this point like intrigue that's going on like it lays it out very flatly for you what's going on
0: and i didn't i didn't mind it this time because i'm like at this point there's so much happening i'm honestly grateful for it i'm like oh Uh okay we got this we got this okay great 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 you know um like earlier in the manga it was kind of annoying but at this point yeah man give it please please
1: yeah, and I, I really like the relationship that him and Lunga have, like, where yeah. they're just, you know, cop buddies. You know, they they met at this Interpol conference. They talk about, you know, Nepola talks about how impressed he was of uh, a talk that, that Lunga gave. Um, I, I I don't know if we want to talk about this now, but I do think it's interesting. They This is like the—well, I, I don't know. We've talked about Lunga's method a couple times, but this is maybe the cleanest that anyone's ever laid it out, as they say— yeah he I does noted his this too. objective yeah. data collection with his his you know computer thing, and then he does a completely subjective you know imagining himself in the mind of the serial killer and we've seen both of those pieces separately, right but I don't think we've n- we've never heard people talk about them as being as related as they are. yeah it's being i mean part we of had rudy method right we had Rudy criticize his you know objective in quotes. Uh, data collection saying you know as soon as you're entering it it's tainted it becomes subjective and that's the only time we've kind of talked about like theoretical how his approach works but Mm -hmm. i thought it was i liked Mm -hmm. hearing them laid out side to side like this and it makes it 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 makes him seem less robotic i think if you're like oh he's doing both pieces of it he's just doing them separately and
0: you can also you can also see that he's you know that that what um that what rudy said did sink in it is affecting lungo like he 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 takes a couple pauses in this chapter to consider the method you know like he starts typing in information about the beer and then and then is like whatever a couple Uh,
1: times he tries to stop himself and then always just apologizes and says, sorry i'm on vacation right like i shouldn't be doing this you know
0: it's, it's um it is interesting uh, and it's cool to see Lunga change as a character, even if only, like, little bits, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it really, it really humanizes him. Maybe it's just because we're seeing him on vacation.
1: I, honestly, look, vacation a you know. person is the truest version of themselves, is maybe, <laughs> maybe what this I is saying. <laughs> I don't know if I agree. Um, I don't know, yeah.
0: But, uh... But it is fun to see Lunga in a different mode. And I think you can tell that he's not really super comfortable in it, but that he's trying something new. Yes. Uh, And then, of course, by the end of the chapter, cancel that beer, bring me a coffee. There we go. It's going to be a long vacation.
1: Fantastic ending to a chapter. Like, we're kicking into detective mode. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's picking up all this information that, like, the idea is to put him on the same thread as our other heroes um so he meets with
1: jan's friends which i I like Mm -hmm. that scene a lot where they're just like some random dude who is from germany on vacation who's like a cop there is like hey yeah can i talk to you about your friend who was on the run for murdering cops and they're like yes this is the only thing we want to talk about we love our friend he would never do this
0: we love him yeah we love those boys yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh it's just great to spend some time with Lunga again and, you know, do some investigation, just kind of uncovering things in that in that classic in that classic Lunga way. He goes to the he goes to the place and then what do you know, he finds the sketchbooks. Things come easily for Lunga in this yeah. chapter,
1: I would do say. Do you have thoughts about the sketchbooks? Because I have one important note about them.
0: Hmm. Um I don't think I have anything specific i mean uh, other than the fact that like visually it's really cool to see oh, Arisawa, hell. I like love using it. these like are these charcoal pencils i'm pretty sure these drunks are done in um and it's just cool to you know it's always cool when 10 uh, god damn it when earth like the two names we say the most in this podcast yeah uh, it's always it's always cool when urus was like okay let me do a different visual style so that like you know to to yeah we strengthen. said watercolors last
1: time and yeah. this, this time it's yeah
0: yeah you know i i just love seeing him do other stuff what did you have
1: so my note is that this is a king thing um is now we have a character who is an artist slash illustrator slash visual storyteller right which is what was doing as we all know one of stephen king's favorite things to do is have characters that are novelists right
0: true god that's true ah, oh Buddy, in case you didn't know, several Bat, right? several of the main characters of Billy Bat are, are artists. I, oh, that's a good, that's actually quite the pull.
1: Yeah. I, I So I, I caught this this that. time through. I didn't catch it the first time, but I caught it this time through. I was like, oh, shit. He's, this is a, we have now an important character who is a visual artist.
0: There are... Some visual artists in 20th century boys, although we don't, really? they don't, I don't know if they get place of pride, but they are there. They're definitely present. And I need to think about if they show up elsewhere. I don't know if there's any in Pluto. Okay. I don't know if there's any in Pluto, but that's, well, art, mm, art is important in Pluto, actually. Art is, visual art is so important in Pluto.
1: Okay, Uh, this is exciting then.
0: Actually, mm, we might have unlocked an Urasawa thing, like an Urasawa thing here, which is the importance of visual art and and art in general and storytelling in general i have a bigger in... note about this a little bit later oh about that's fiction very and stories. Yeah. that's very exciting okay all right let's let's move on to the next yes. chapter then unless you have anything else
1: no i'm ready let's um, go to 97 these are,
0: it feels like a lot of the chapters here are like kind of one note like we can yeah. like they're kind of just like one bam, big thing bam. to talk
1: about in each one yeah.
0: exactly yeah um chapter 97 boy detectives uh, we follow some of the orphans that Petrov was raising at uh, at their orphanage. And in particular, Milos, who is being uh, scolded by the orphanage director for being uh, out past curfew. And he tells his friends that he saw the blonde lady uh, who killed Mr. Petrov. And then his friends are like, well, if you saw her, then we need to track her down so that we can clear Mr. Grimmer. So they set up a trap. Um, his friends get distracted by a false positive, and then, whoops, Johan gets him. Johan, Johan snags him. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Grimmer and Tenma return to Petrov's apartment and find, uh, some letters and messages from the boys, and Grimmer asks Tenma, what sort of facial expression is appropriate in this situation? What's the correct response here? And Tenma says, how about paying those kids a visit? So they go to one of the orphanages and they uh, hang out there and uh, we go to another orphanage and we see some of the pictures that some of the kids have drawn of Grimmer with nice big smiles. And Grimmer says, that's something I've learned. I've learned how to make my face smile. Uh, Grimmer and Tenma go to a playground, and we learn a bit more about what happened when Grimmer's child died, and he's saying that he didn't know. He did not know how to react when that happened. Uh, in the meantime, uh, some—well, not in the meantime, directly following— uh, some of the kids run up, and they tell Grimmer and Tenma, Milosh is missing. Now, in the meantime, Lunga visits Jan's mother— and Jan's mother uh, tells him that while someone with very fine features did in fact visit her, that person was a man.
1: Um, I, I like this. Immediately, like, the start of this chapter is another King thing. This is, like, you know, kids' adventure story, yes. Stand By Me, It, all that stuff. Like, kids on a mission to do something very adult, right? Totally, you know?
0: totally. And that, you know, that doesn't happen as much in um in Japanese fiction, uh like it does happen, don't get me wrong, it totally happens, but this really has that strong it has a strong western media feel as so many things in in Urasawa's work tends to, you know. And I just think it's it's useful for us to point out moments where like this is Word a western, western move. Influence, yeah. Yeah, you know, cuz I I think it would I think Urasawa is such a cross-cultural author and creator that we are we're not going to get a really good image of him unless we remember exactly how cross-cultural he is, you know, um, and what stuff he's, he's taping. Because as a Western reader, when we see a Western thing, we don't question it, mm-hmm. you know, but, but we should recognize the source. We should recognize that these are things being reflected back at us from a, another point of view somewhere else on the planet. Uh, yeah. so you know just just keep your eyes open for that and recognize that this is a cultural exchange happening here and this is these are western tropes being digested through through a a japanese point of view and then reemployed. Uh it's not so direct as somebody from, you know, tennessee being like, "Oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take some going to take some king some king things, you know, cuz there's more cultural translation that that happens.
1: Yeah. No, um. So I, 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 really liked the opening of this chapter. I love when they draw their little map of where they're all going to stand, and how they say they're going to whistle, and then the plan fails because Milosh can't whistle. Like, which is it's a very scary
0: good. moment. It's a really oh, yeah. scary moment when that happens.
1: Um, and it what this what this part does is it does really make me excited to read Twentieth Century Boys when we get to that because my understanding mm. is that is a lot of kid detective story or kid adventure story. Yeah, there's um,
0: we spend a lot of time with children in in 20th century boys in, in a really fun way. And I think you're kind of right that this is kind of, um, if not a prefiguring, at least it's a taste. You know, it's a it's a little it's a little morsel, little sample of uh, what we're what we're gonna get. Yeah, totally. Okay, and we're back. I just uh We had a little snack break. Yeah, a little a little snack break. My my blood sugar went down to zero somehow. Friday um, afternoon's
1: a new recording configuration. We're figuring yeah. out how this one works.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and I ate peanut butter and ice cream, and I ate some chips. Uh, I put hot sauce on a couple of the chips. Ooh. I was in a, I was in a bad way, folks. Um, but we're back, and we're going to talk about monster a little bit, a little bit more. So yeah, we were talking about Milos. We we're talking about how this is like a king thing. You know, kids going yeah, on... the boy detectives. You know what I mean? And even the name of the chapter, Boy Detectives. You know, I mean, right. that calls that calls to mind a lot of Western Did you media. ever did
1: you ever read Hardy Boys growing up? Or like I read Nancy a few Drew? of them. Read a little
0: okay. I read a little Hardy. Um, you know, and <clears throat> I especially remember a book uh well, A, I remember the Artemis Fowl series. I loved the Artemis Fowl books. Um matt had no light of comprehension no
1: i was not an artemis Fowl person my one of my (laughs) friends was Hmm.
0: well it was it was a pretty fun series and the author had another book called half moon investigations which was just this little irish kid in elementary school solving a very fun little mystery oh that's Um, fun you know so like the boy in fact when i was 10 years old i wrote i wrote a book um this this shitty little book about about a boy detective Perfect. You know, um, I love detectives, and and so this is a this is a beloved trope, and this is a fun fun example of it. These kids yeah, out I, solving mysteries.
1: I read a lot of. Well, my dad had just a ton of Hardy Boys books that he got from his mom one year when I was growing up, and he was like, "You should read these." And they just sat in my closet, and I read a handful of them. Um, so they were like era appropriate. They're like 60s Hardy Boys books. Mm, yeah. Um, and I, I actually, I would like to have a couple of those on my shelf now, but I was never a huge Hardy Boys person. I did like, now I can't remember the name of, it. oh, I liked Encyclopedia Brown because the whole gimmick of that was you could try to figure out the solution. Like mm. Sherlock Holmes stories. Well, yeah, I yeah. mean, Sherlock Holmes kind of cheats a little bit because there's no way you yeah, can figure those out. Cheats. So yeah. you're
0: Agatha Christie.
1: Yes. Agatha Christie, but for children. Um, so I, I liked Encyclopedia Brown but boy detectives is like a timeless genre that we all love.
0: Absolutely. Um, but yeah, uh, I think... So
1: that's one part of the chapter. The other part mm-hmm. is Grimmer and Tenma having their conversation about emotions. Because when Grimmer was introduced, you had your big thing where you're like, hey, when he is smiling and when he is not is an important thing to consider. And in this chapter, I would say this is really the first time when we're really seeing, like, before this, Grimmer's default is always he is smiling. And I mean, like, yeah. when we see those pictures that the kids have drawn of him, the distinctive thing is he has this big smile, mm-hmm. right? But in this chapter, a lot of the times when we're seeing Grimmer, he's not smiling. Like, because he's comfortable around Tenma now. Now, so he's not having to do his pretend smile thing and he yeah. keeps asking like you said what is the right reaction to this like i do not know
0: yeah and so. we can really you know I, I think what we can also understand from this is that like like you were saying the the guy calling grimmer a monster last reading mm. really tracks because here this is something that uh ...that he kind of shares somewhat with Johan, right? Yeah, the blank
1: face a little bit.
0: Yeah, the blank face, but also the... You... Hmm... Johan is understood to be pretty much as emotionless as Grimmer, right? Like, Johan is empty inside, he has no real strong emotions, yada yada. But the difference is that Johan does know exactly what he's supposed to do in a situation... And mm. he uses that to his benefit, you know, um, and then another important, another important difference. Uh, and we're going to see this next chapter a bit more, but I'll just bring it up now is that the difference between Johann and Grimmer. Is that Grimmer, despite being messed up, despite not having emotions, still participates in the world and cares about the things and people in it right he has beliefs there is there are things that matter to him life is not meaningless even though he did not know how to love his child and didn't know how to cry when his child died right those are horrible things and yet grimmer still values the lives of children and still and still values protecting life
1: yeah and i had a note that like i almost think that grimmer has bought into this thing that they've told him where it's like, we've robbed you of your emotions and you're just going to be this perfect, you know, vessel for being a spy or whatever. Because like, I don't know, maybe it's, he tells him, like he had to learn how to have emotional responses. Maybe that's what's happening. But to me, like all of the big emotional beats in this reading, Grimmer is having an emotional response to them. It's just not always quite the right one. I mean, like he does this thing a lot where like something horrible happens and he will go flat, right? Where it's like, it's just he can't quite figure out which one he's supposed to do, but he knows he's supposed to do something. And yeah. then there's moments where he's shocked, and then there's moments where he knows what he's supposed to do is is smile, like you said. So it's almost like he is bought into the hype a little bit, right, that they've told mm-hmm. him, like, you don't have emotions anymore. Um, but, like, you can't totally. really erase that out of a person is almost yes. what I get out of this.
0: I think I think you're absolutely right. You know, I, I think that part of what we're meant to get from, from Grimmer, especially, again, next chapter, is that people are people, and mm-hmm. you can't, like, no matter what you do, you can't take the emotions out of a person.
1: It almost just feels like more he's going through, like, everything is numbed, right? Like, he's living yeah. through trauma, or he's clinically depressed, or something like that, yeah. right? It's, I mean, it's... it,
0: it as a, a CPTSD response yeah, there. You know, something along those lines.
1: So I yeah. I like this introduction and like obviously like him asking Tenma is this is this the right response is the like most loaded Chekhov's gun that we've had like in a while it is such a like we're setting up this phrase so that we can deploy it in the way that will break your heart the hardest like yeah when he hits and it and it's even he, just he, like using it, it
0: even using it casually is pretty yeah. heartbreaking. You know, I mean, and, and you can tell it like you said, Grimmer's comfortable. You know, it's the first time probably in his life. Yes. You know, since Kinderheim, uh, where he's been around somebody who knows what happened to him. And he he doesn't have to keep guessing, you know, and he doesn't have to put on the mask. And he can just kind of be himself, even if he considers himself broken or, or you know, um, less than or, or doesn't like who he is he can still be himself and i think you can tell that that's you could just get a sense of relief
1: yeah and there's there's i made a note of this there's a series of panels like i think it's when he is explaining this there's Mm -hmm. a series of panels of tenman reaction shots where like at first he is like extremely concerned by this yeah right where like he makes a face that is like oh my god right and then like you know, he sits there and listens, and then his response is, he warmly smiles and says, well, maybe what we should do is we should go visit those children. Right? Like, he knows yeah. exactly... It's He's doing Dr. Tem a perfect bedside manner again, right? Like, yeah. he knows how to, to deal with this, even though you it know. is something that it is, he, like, concerning.
0: Yeah, and he knows... Yeah, he sees that Grimmer needs help. Yes. You know, Grimmer. Grimmer is asking for help. What's the correct response? You know, and it's really... I just think it's a really healthy kind of thing, you know, because there are we all have times when we don't really know what the right thing to do is. And in oh, those absolutely. times, reaching out to a friend is the right thing to do. You know, what do I do? I don't know. I'm not prepared for this. You know, if it's something simpler, if it's something complex, it doesn't matter. We get through those times by reaching out. Um, and it is... And seeing Grimmer able to do that, you know, finally, you kind of get a sense of how...
1: It's a little scary the first time yeah. he does it, right? Like, when you yeah. see him and it's like, well, he's not smiling anymore. And then, like, mm-hmm. he explains the whole thing and you're like, oh my gosh, this poor dude. I mean, because yeah. he said it in the last chapter, right? Like, I had to learn how to smile. And then, like, now we are seeing how forced of a response that seems to have been for him this yeah. whole time.
0: And definitely there's something in, like, the way that he talks about it, the the way that he keeps asking it Mm -hmm. is almost it is almost childlike you know it is looking up to tenma in a in a way um
1: well the other thing that this reminds me of and i'm gonna gonna pull religion in for a little bit there's a there's a thing in one of the gospels that i think christ says right where he's like you know okay what is the sin against the holy spirit like what's the thing you can't come back from right and it's like what he says, I'm and I'm paraphrasing because I haven't read this in a while, but the thing that he says in that is like, the thing that you can't come back from is when you stop even caring if it's the thing that you can come back from, right? Mm. It's like when you stop, when you are not even listening to that like conscience or whatever that's in your head, right? Which like he, in that case, he says it's the Holy Spirit, right? That's telling you when you've done something wrong. When you're not even listening to that voice anymore, that's the only thing that you can't come back from. So the fact, he, he, what I'm getting at there is, The fact that this is something that Grimmer is concerned about, I think, speaks to, like we said, that, you know, this hasn't been erased from him, right? He is still, um, you know, a person with emotions who can can make connections, who can love other people.
0: Yeah, and, you know, and and you can tell that his state is distressing to him. Mm -hmm. Like, it bothers him. He knows something is wrong, you know, uh, and um, it is very sad. To see someone who's been it's rough. who's been that who's been that messed up, you know, and and they're just trying to do their best in life, but man, they got got real bad. And it's yeah. also, you know, what else I think is actually interesting now that I think about it. We said that he's a bit childish, but he's in his forties. Yeah, you know, like he's yeah yeah the timeline. He's in his forties, and I think it's. A very interesting set of character traits for a character in their forties to have, because it's the kind of thing that you would normally apply to like a younger character, somebody that was still trying to find their way in the world. So that you could like be like, well, you you get this in in shonen a lot, even you know, mm-hmm, you get mm-hmm. somebody who's been brainwashed and then and then the shonen hero talk no jutsus them into you know reconnecting with their emotions and you're not actually evil, you know uh come to the come to our side i'll be your friend and then and then the bad guy like breaks down crying or whatever um so that's like this this kind of echoes a bit of that but the character's an adult he's lived like this his whole life you know and that kind of overwhelming change you know it's not like he's unaware he knows he knows the whole thing he knows what's going on and it's not as simple as just saying the right thing you know like this is just this is how it is like you got fucked up and you had nothing to do with it it wasn't your fault you were victimized but you still have to live with this like this trauma is yours and uh and that's how it is another example of i think Urasawa being up on psychology i think
1: yeah no, I, I, I like this stuff a lot, even though, I mean, it is, it is very sad. Um, sad. but that and, is, that is maybe
0: a little easy, maybe a little
1: bit. Yeah. It's a yeah. little
0: easy, but it's so, it's so effective that it's it hard works. to ding it too many points for being easy.
1: Yeah. Um, but that is, that kind of concludes the notes I had on 97.
0: Yeah, I would say okay.
1: so. So 98 is the cruelest thing, um, Milosh sits with Johan, dressed as Anna, who asks if they've met before and asks why Milosh is wandering around looking for someone. Milosh explains that he's looking for his mother, and is convinced he'll recognize her when he sees her and that she'll recognize him. Johan does an evil monologue about how Milosh's mother probably didn't want him and how death is the norm, life is a mistake, asking what his reason to live is and how he's not wanted. Grimmer and Tenma talk to a few of the locals near where Milosh went missing who all know Anna, and point the two towards Johan's apartment. Tedman draws his gun, prepared to end it all, but the apartment is empty. Grimmer's at a loss for words and emotions, overwhelmed by the fact that Milosh is in danger because the boys were trying to clear his name. He tells Tenma about his own child dying. Grimmer had married a lady from the newspaper he worked at to improve his cover identity. They had a child, who died. Grimmer tried to revive him, but couldn't. His wife didn't understand why he couldn't cry, and accused him of being incapable of love and then left him. The two stand in silence for a second and then determine that they have to save Milosh because Johan is probably going to kill him, but not before subjecting him to the cruelest thing possible. They race towards the red light district on the German border where Johann has just left Milosh, telling him that he should walk towards the colorful area ahead looking for his mother. If he can't find her, it means that no one wanted him. Milosh is left, filled with existential fear, but sets off to find his mother anyways. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy oh boy oh no
0: um i have more notes on the next chapter than this one uh
1: i mostly just had on the let's see i have a couple on like the milosh johan conversation well the first thing at first i was like well i'm not sure if this is johan or nina like right away but then like the questions like Johan asking, Have we met before? You know, Milash pointing out, hey, it looks like you're about to move, like there's nothing here, which is you know what Lunga encountered in the last place that Johan was, no trace of a human being there, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then like it's really kind of incredible the transition from Nina eyes to Johan eyes when he when Johan begins his evil monologue, like narrows in on the thing that is going to destroy milosh like yeah it's it's pretty good as much as like i hate this thing that we're doing here where you mm-hmm. know johannes pretending to be nina the this subtle transition from one to the other like over five or six panels i think is is like very cool
0: it is cool i i do think though i i think this particular like evil monologue, you know, let's let's uh mess with this this poor kid, you know. Um some of it's some of it's good, right? Some of it's effective. Um, you know, telling a kid that that their mom didn't love him. That'll get him. That'll get a kid.
1: <laughs> uh, just think, some random adult telling this yeah. boy that their mom didn't love them. Yeah, oh. she
0: probably just didn't love you, huh? I will say <laughs> I With do, the casualness that you just did yeah. too, I
1: think is like the key thing, right? Mm. Like.
0: Yeah. Did someone want you? Who wanted you? What's your reason to live? Yeah, man. I mean that that's gonna that's gonna scare the shit out of a kid. I do think the stuff about there's more death than life in the universe is some dollar store Nietzsche bullshit
1: it's that too much.
0: cheapens the whole thing. Like, come on, man. Like, like it's we already know Johan is is technically a nihilist and especially, like, operates out of nihilism when it comes to the value of human life and the value of human connection. He doesn't believe in any of it. He doesn't even think he himself exists. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever. This particular thing, there is more death than life in the universe. Uh, as far as, you know, on a grand scale, life is just a blip. Fuck off. Fuck off. Like, it's like, because here's my thing. It's just that... If johan is supposed to be this big you know this scary like monster thing you know capable of overthrowing kinderheim five one one with the depth of his of his evil philosophy this you is know, like you
1: said, dollar store Nietzsche, yeah
0: exactly like it's so it's it's so shallow and not really befitting of the kind of stuff that we're told johan can do
1: the The only thing I will say here is that if you are a nine year old boy. I think this does work on you. Because, like, this is the yeah. first time that I started to think about stuff like that when I was about that age, right? So sure. it's like, I think, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like, it's tacky. It's a bit much. But I do think in the same way that, like, saying, well, maybe your mom didn't love you. Like, in the same way mm-hmm. that that works, I think saying, life is meaningless, isn't it? Like, I think does work I would on have liked a, it on more. I would more.
0: I would have liked it more if Johan if had If you phrased it. it that
1: way. With yeah, the casualness. you know, it's, yeah. it's
0: just like, it's it's at this very weird...
1: Mm-hmm. It's so grandiose of, in a in a not good way. Yeah, it, it's like yeah. it's
0: grandiose, but it's too simple. But it's not mm-hmm. really simple enough to realistically be told to a kid for them to understand. Like if it was clearly being dumbed down for a kid to understand, I think
1: it would work better. it would have been right. terrifying. But this is yeah. this
0: is just in a in a weird space. And I get what Urasawa was going for, and uh, I I just think that I think it's a pretty strong fumble uh, that weakens the scene overall um yeah but yeah uh it was really funny when grimmer and tenma are like looking for anna's apartment and everyone's like oh yeah anna yeah she lives right there that's her apartment
1: we love her she's the best she lives right there right there let's just tell these two strange men exactly where our favorite neighborhood girl lives very
0: very trusting these (laughs) these folks on the street yeah Um, yeah. Um, and I think the only other note that I really, that I really have for this chapter, well, do you have anything about Grimmer's story? Yeah, I was was about to say, I was about to say, um,
1: My first note was how passionless the whole thing seems to be. I mean, he just tells it like a chain of event after event after event. This thing happened. That thing happened. The girl said she liked me. We got married. We had a kid. Yeah. You know, I did everything I was supposed to do, I think is the phrase that he says when he's trying to revive his child. Yeah. Um. And that just feels like it could sum up the whole relationship, honestly. Um, I did everything
0: I was supposed to do quickly and efficiently. Yeah. 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 I think the, the thing that's really interesting, like, yes, the story is... Like, really seeing Grimmer's backstory is great. Mm -hmm. Like, having that full context. And this is a really good, it's also like, you can, I think it would be fair for some readers to be like, why didn't we get this sooner? You know, like, you know, they've been teasing his backstory since he was introduced, why did it take this long? And I think it took this long because this particular set of circumstances is the exact right time for Grimmer to be talking about this. Like, he needs to have that level of trust with Tenma. They should be in heightened situations where he is being forced to, you know, where, where maybe a normal person would feel something more than he feels. Like, I think this is just the right time for this exposition to happen and not feel forced. Yeah. Right? Like, it's not taking up extra space. We're not like, why is this happening right now? We know why it's happening right now. It's very well justified.
1: Yeah. No, I, I like it a lot. Um, The other the other note that I had that was interesting here is the thing that his wife says to him, Um, you know, when he doesn't cry at the funeral is, you know, your heart is empty. You can't love anyone. Um, And we've talked a lot about how one of the themes of this story is connections, relationships, memories, holding people, you know, love, all that stuff. And I think that it's interesting to think about. Uh, you mentioned it a chapter or two ago, right? Like, okay, if, if this is what happened to Grimmer, this is probably what happened to Johan, right? yeah if he degree, is the same yeah. way, some person who who can't love and can't connect, right like how does that you know that everything he's doing is he's severing all these people's connections because that's the way that he is, but then the other thing is like you think about the mechanics of how they made them this way, it's by making mm-hmm. them forget all of their connections, yes, right, like brainwashing them, wiping out these memories, mm-hmm. so it's like this thing that was supposed to make them i don't know you know give them superpowers. Is the thing that has become their greatest weakness yeah. or something? I I don't know. Get, that's getting a little yeah. Western comicsy with or it. Or if
0: not, give them superpowers at the very least. I mean, the idea, the idea behind it is to make the perfect soldier, which isn't right. like the most powerful soldier. The perfect soldier is the one that does everything without question. Yeah, and is ideally incapable of doing anything else. Yeah, I think that I think that's the the perfect soldier. Quick, um,
1: quick, quick, quick yeah. side note. Did you ever listen to the audio drama Homecoming?
0: No, I don't know. Okay,
1: it. they made a TV show out of it. I haven't seen the TV show, but mm-hmm. the the audio drama was very good. Oscar Isaac is the is the main character. Oh, very cool. Um, and it it deals with a lot of this stuff. I, I there's two seasons of the radio show. I only mm-hmm. listened to the first. Really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say listeners, if you like Monster, I would mm-hmm. say listen to Homecoming. It's it's yeah. very good. Yeah.
0: I really I really like radio plays, so actually I I might check
1: that out. Uh, listen, uh, I think you'd you, like it.
0: If you want a radio play to not listen to, uh don't listen to Limetown. Limetown sucks.
1: Oh, you think Limetown sucks?
0: Oh, Limetown
1: sucks. I mean Limetown has problems, but I like that Limetown no. is exciting, mm-mm, right? Mm-mm, is the thing. No, 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 listen. It listen, is listen. trashy TV. It,
0: it comes it comes so highly recommended and I listened to it uh last year that show. I think
1: the first season's okay.
0: It's not. It isn't. And I'll tell you why it's not okay. okay because like they set up this main character, this investigative journalist, and you're like, "Okay, awesome, investigative journalist, we're going to do some detective work." So what does this what does this cool female main character do? She gets kidnapped a lot and yeah. then just asks people questions and they give her the answers. That is the entirety of what happens in that show. It is Flashback after flashback, interview after interview, she has no agency of her own. She is not even that bright. Like, it is... I have never
1: well it's coincidence mm-hmm. city i think is the uh, it thing is there. so yeah.
0: like and uh yeah very few very few things made me as instantly mad and sustained mad also as there's limetown
1: the, there's the one interview that she does i think it's one of the early ones with that dude who's like kind of a kindly older man like i do really like that episode
0: Look, they can have a scene or two that's fine, but the problem is that the mystery isn't even that interesting, and it's given to the listener in an uninteresting way. Like... Yeah. It's it's just... It's, yeah, I mean, you're
1: right. It is, if it's you want extremely to, straightforward to the point where it's boring.
0: If you want a radio play about uncovering mysteries and exploring strange things, I could give you at least five off the fucking dome that do everything they do better and with more feminism than Limetown does. Well, like, what a fucking joke.
1: Do you know the stupid thing about Limetown, too? Like, What's that the Adam Vass pointed this out one time. Okay, so, like, you know, remember the main thing of Limetown is they had this dude who was, like, psychic or something? I don't remember. He was psychic. Yeah, they Jesus. had a the psychic
0: guy, which, which by the way, might also his name account was... for some of my dislike of it because I don't like ESP storylines. Like, okay. I think it's boring. So, that's also another thing.
1: So, psychic Jesus, his name is Emil, right? Yeah. E M I L. Yeah. What is Emil
0: backwards? Oh, fuck that. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ugh, Christ alive. Anyway, so, listeners, Ad, don't Adam listen Vass
1: to, pointed that one out of the brain trust. Don't listen to Lying Town. Yeah, listen, play cobwebs Listen to
0: The White Vault. Listen to uh, Don't Mind Cruxmont by the same people. Listen to, um, listen to... Oh, my God. I mean, listen to I Am In Askew. Fuck me, listen to I Am In Askew. I mean, that, that show... Is really something something special and unusual. Listen to the Silt Versus, You know, there's so many great radio plays out there. Um Did you know that Limetown Limetown won some kind of award? What it won like a Pulitzer or some bullshit. Did
1: it win a Pulitzer? It that won doesn't...
0: some kind of I might be thinking of um I might be thinking of Clyborn uh, Clyborne <laughs> Park, which is a play that won a Pulitzer. And that play sucks. Shit. That play is racist, and it won a Pulitzer. Um, sorry, sorry we we got we got we, off topic. Look, we had anyway, but but you go, but you guys you something. guys get it right. You guys get it anyway. Anyway, the point the point is
1: your heart is empty. You can't connect.
0: The, your heart is empty. You can't connect. Don't listen to Limetown uh, <laughs> Yeah, and so the cruelest thing. Uh, oh, but but the thing that really gets me, you know, is that after after Grimmer talks about you're incapable of loving anyone, your heart is completely empty, and then she left. On the next page, he says, we have to find Milosh." Yeah. You know,
1: and it's just this really... It's what we said. He is still a person. He can connect.
0: He can connect. Other people have value to him. Whether or not that counts as love to him or anyone else, you know, or to us, like, that's not really important. What matters is that other people and their lives have value and even at his absolute lowest that's still true and yeah. that means and that means everything you know it's just like matt said you are only beyond saving when you no longer care about being saved um and it's uh it's just this really great really great way of showing a person who clearly feels as though they are beyond redemption and then in the next breath they are redeemed. Right. You know? it's good. Yeah, it is good. It is really good. Um
1: I don't really then, have any other notes on story stuff. I just think the way yeah. that the end of this chapter looks is very cool. Like uh Johan and, and Milosh like walking towards this border town. Like that's a cool series of shots, you know, on this on this road.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think it actually I think the last page of the chapter is Milosh wandering into the red light district. Yeah. Um I do want to call that one particular panel. There's not a lot of uh visual notes that i have on this reading in general but here's one of the few which is there's a panel where milosh is running into the sunset toward the red light district and it and man that really uh that one's brutal because you're like oh this guy's this kid's running into into hell uh and but it's it's framed in this almost optimistic way that makes it so much worse
1: I think that is a very good. Running into hell is a very good way to think about the next chapter because it yeah. is very much a yeah. Greek mythological. We are going into the underworld type totally. deal. Yeah, what a
0: good. That's a good pull too. Yeah. So this is chapter ninety nine. Border town. Milosh wanders through a red light district, and sees horrible, horrible things. That's most of the chapter. He comes to the conclusion that nobody loves him or wants him, and life is hell. Grimmer and Tenma are looking for Milosh. They look out over at a bridge. Whoops, there's Milosh. He's getting ready to jump. Um, they go and grab him and try to reassure him. Um, and Grimmer tells him, I don't know what you saw. I don't know what you witnessed. But you were born for a reason. You are wanted. And he asks Dr. Tenma how he looks. And Tenma says, you're crying.
1: Damn. Right in the gut. This yeah. is a Denny O'Neill ending. I call him every time Every time oh, they happen. Man. This is, this is yeah. a
0: Denny O'Neill chapter. Yeah, it frankly. really is. Like, I mean, this is, uh, yeah, big time. Um... This chapter is really, unfortunately, worth talking about.
1: Yeah. do you, Are we going to start with Ugh. that? Because you pointed Lord this out. Almighty. I mean, you know, okay. listeners, when yeah. when Quinn and I were talking about this next chapter, I was like, well, boy, at least we made it out of the transphobia. And <laughs> Quinn was like, well, Matt, you have forgotten one important piece. One important thing. Yes. And he pointed so- out a lot of the—it's It's related to the modern— Discourse, yes. unfortunately, so we have to wade into it.
0: Yeah, the modern, the modern discourse. Right, one of the big, one of the big cudgels that bigots are wielding against the trans community is that they are pedophiles, eh, groomers, you know, that sort of deal. Um, and this is
1: well specifically i i think the thing that the like the way that they try to phrase it as a good faith argument is look i'm not against any of this stuff i just think that it's wrong that you're marketing it to children
0: right totally yeah you know with drag queen story hour that kind of thing you know um and so there is something here and honestly i don't know enough about the conversation around transness in the 90s like i tried to do a bit of research but i, couldn't. I don't either like I-, I couldn't really find much on it. One presumes that this was also part of the argument being made back then, but I don't know. But uh, you know, th- this idea—this idea that 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 trans folks will introduce sexuality to children in an aggressive, predatory way, uh, and in this way, change and corrupt your pure, innocent babes—won't somebody think of the children? Uh, and in this and that's chapter, exactly
1: what happens here yeah to literally
0: a, it, it yeah. is it is johan who again in the in the guise of anna who the reader is meant to maybe not meant but who the reader understands as being a man a, pretending a, yes, in big
1: air quotes to be which a woman is yeah.
0: equivalent to a trans woman to a bigot's mind yeah so this uh, this trans woman equivalent is sending a child into a sexually explicit situation in order to traumatize the hell out of them for their own means, or for their own ends, or for their own gratification, sexual or otherwise.
1: I mean, explicitly to get the child to kill himself.
0: Explicitly, is- ideally, yeah, to get, the, to get the child to kill themselves. You know, and it's, uh, like we said, we don't know what the conversation was like back in the 90s, but it fits uncomfortably well into the conversation as it stands right now. And it sucks! It's just the worst... I do like look, it would still be awful. It would be just as bad if Johan, if Johan not as Nina was doing it, but it just wouldn't have this this terrible transphobic aftertaste and yeah. it would maintain every every ounce of the horror. I just don't know. Like, I mean, I don't because to be clear, I, it is he's horrifying. Doing this. Yeah. yeah,
1: and I think it is a very, I mean, like, I look, one of my favorite phrases, as we know, cheap heat. And I think there's a mm. couple. I think there's a couple things in this chapter that are cheap heat, but I do think the thing at the end that you didn't mention in your summary, when Grimmer and Tenma find Milosh, right, and they tell him, like, life is worth living, a butterfly flies by, and he crushes it under his foot, and this yeah. is, like, the thing that's meant to show the reader, like, oh, he has lost, he's he's completely gone, right? Like, he is... Yeah. His eyes get drawn a little bit differently is the other thing. Like, mm-hmm. all the light has gone out of his eyes. Yeah. He is bought into this nihilism that is Johan's thing, mm-hmm. right? And it's horrifying. It's terrible. It's one yeah. of the things I talked about when we first talked about Petrov, right? Is like, one of the horrors of Kinderheim 511 is that these children are being altered and made worse, you know, without their knowledge, against their will, mm-hmm. all these things. And this is like, you're seeing it happen in real time, and it's horrifying. Yeah. Um,
0: and in such, like, you know, I mean, they it's really, I mean, this chapter is so hard to read. You know, it is not fun to hang out with a child being traumatized by extremely sexually explicit things happening around them. I'm honestly shocked that Urasawa got permission to put this in a magazine.
1: He draws I mean, nipples a couple times. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, not in the same panel as the channel. Not that there's anything wrong the channel, with channel. nipples, but,
1: and I mean, like, like, sex workers work, all that stuff, blah, 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 blah. Know, blah. I mean, but this is R-rated. Yeah,
0: you know, and it's it's just the idea of 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 the of this kid in this context it is a it is a horrifying thing your stomach drops out like you guys spend time on the internet so you know what I'm talking about when I when I talk about like stuff on the internet you see that just sickens you that is bottom you know like like bottom rung disturbing yeah and that stuff is kind of rare it's kind of hard to find and it's even harder to find it off of the internet this gives me that feeling this gives me that SpongeBob comic where everybody kills each other feeling oh, I you don't know, know that. what i mean that sounds bad. i you know it's i i only remember like it in bits and pieces you know yeah. or, but but everyone everyone I here has i know what has, you mean
1: though that yeah, type of that
0: specific that specific internet thing, thing where like yeah. where like they take something familiar or innocent and and make it you know make it this this dark edgy thing that that just gets in and twists and this does it so effectively and we can also i mean this happens in king no this i have is, the note that this yeah. is a king
1: thing i mean so in his so stephen king has written i think only two nonfiction books maybe three um but the first one that he wrote was back in the either late 70s or early 80s it's called dance macabre And it's his it's from a I guess he was like a teacher in residence at University of Maine or something. And this is like he took his semester long lecture notes and kind of compiled them into a book, which is just like his thoughts about horror and stuff like that. And on Just King Things, they had a field day talking about this book. I would say go yeah. listen to the other episode. It's very good. I've read parts of Dance Macabre. There's parts of it that I think are pretty good. Other parts that I think are rough. But the thing that they keep coming back to a lot is he talks about horror, terror, and like, okay, horror is, I think horror is the one where it's like you're being jump scared. Terror is the one where it's you've got this deep underlying sense of fear right like lovecraftian type stuff but then his biggest thing is hey when i can't get either of those the thing that i'll do for a response is you go for the gross out go right and like when i out. say cheap cheap heat that's mm-hmm. what i mean by that you're going yeah. for the gross out and like there's this there's a sequence with a it's a man who says that he's a teacher in germany and he makes milosh watch as he has very rough sex with a sex worker Um, and it's, it's horrible. I mean, it's, it's, it's It's awful.
0: It's really, like I said, it is the kind of thing that you are just surprised to get permission to put in there. I, I don't know. I mean, here's the thing to me, I think, uh, I think this chapter is effective, and I think the over-the-topness of it is, frankly, what makes it effective.
1: Yeah, I think like, you're right.
0: Like it is, it is a horrible, horrible thing. It is awful to read, and frankly, that I, I'll go to bat for it.
1: I think it works. I mean, I I think is the thing. Um, I just can't.
0: I can't imagine. I cannot imagine.
1: It's exploitation, is what it is, right? That's this a perfect, is exploitation yes, yes, cinema. Yes, yep. my God,
0: that's exactly what it is. It's exploitation, and and it's like I, I it's difficult for me to imagine another version of this chapter you that does do this what this way. chapter does. Yeah. You, you cannot. It requires this intensity. It requires this sickness. Um, and like, could you have a similar like thing done in the story without this exact stuff? Yes, absolutely. Art doesn't have to be moral. Art does not have to depict moral things.
1: No, there was discourse like a little bit yeah. recently about well, you should only there just characters always by the is. end of their art. Yeah, it's Yeah, there, yeah, there always is.
0: And and it's and it's bullshit. And I think this chapter is a good example of it. Like I hate this chapter. I, I hate like it. it. I hate it. I wouldn't change it and I wouldn't remove it.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't either.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, but but man, it's really you know, and I, I, think, I think it is also interesting because there are people who, you know, you, when you pitch Monster to someone, you're like, oh, yeah, this is kind of a dark, it's kind of a dark <laughs> manga, you know, it's kind of a dark, <laughs> heavy story. And then you watch it from the start with them and they're like, this isn't actually that dark. And you're like, oh, yeah, I, I guess not. I wonder why I thought that this chapter, then you this, this one chapter, yeah. this chapter, I feel like like is such an outlier like it it throws off the average so strongly that it leaches out into the rest of the series and makes the whole thing so much darker because this bomb this absolute fucking nuclear waste pile of a chapter this elephant's foot is just sitting here waiting you know waiting to absolutely fuck you up
1: yeah um you know? It's a lot, and I'll. I think all the content warnings that we have cover this, but I might include I so. an extra one just it's child case.
0: endangerment. Child so, endangerment would be another think, one that we have to put in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's. Uh, if I can't believe we didn't have that one already. I'm gonna if, if, update those. Show, I meant to man. search it
1: before last time, but <laughs> like I'm gonna update those. Yeah. Community ones, like they are so bad. They are yeah. so bad.
0: Yeah, you know, um, it's uh, yeah, I, I, I don't. The details really aren't important. It's just a parade of awful things.
1: Yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say is, I and I said this the last time we had a chapter with sex workers. Is I really like the way that Arasawa draws sex workers. I mean, and he's, I think he did this last time too, where we have one that's just like doing bubble gum. Yeah, like I that to me, like as horrible as this chapter is, there's think, something to me that is very fun about that. It's, it is,
0: it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I, I do think maybe I think. I like the outfits he gives them. I think maybe there is a bit of criticism to be levied in that. It's his exploitative, sex, I think. It's exploitative, yeah. and also his sex workers are never explicitly beautiful. There's always there's They're always, always a little ugly.
1: Oh, they're, yeah. yeah.
0: They're always a little ugly. They're, they are not... Or at the very least, like, in... Urasawa's visual language. We understand them not to be. Fully They're mean.
1: Beautiful. I mean, because there's the horrible yeah. scene where the one like runs up to him and gives him a hug, and then they have like a moment where they look at each other, and you think for a second like mm-hmm. she's considering him, but she's considering him with spite. Right is the thing. It's yeah. not like a real question of is this my child. It's just yeah. kind of like. You know, you because know. then she says, "I'd never be stupid enough to let something like this happen," and that's the gut punch yeah. for him in in that it, moment. Right? It's hard
0: to say. I, I think. I think in general, Urasawa. You know, we we've said that like Urasawa. We were has, we were
1: positive the last time sex workers came up. This yeah. time, I think is much more negative.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of this weird thing where like Urasawa has trouble being. He has trouble integrating those modes because like. Uh, you know, like Marco Langer. Yes. You know, both real and fake. Those are sex workers and they are not portrayed negatively. You know, like there is, it's like Urasawa, when he talks about sex workers, he says so positively, when he depicts sex workers It's negative.
1: Not as positive. Um, What I will say is, I think think when you're telling a story that is so black and white morality as Monster is, right? As much as we say like, hey, you know, the morality gets a little bit gray and can you come back from killing a person? Blah, 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 blah. I think when you're telling a story that is so just like traditional, this is a moral fable as Mm. Monster is, it's hard to like come down positive on sex workers, right? Just because you have all of human history saying that this is a bad thing to do, I think, right?
0: There's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of stereotypes to try and not Overcome, do. Overcome, yeah. And it's also like, keep in mind, remember, these are not real people. These Mm-mm. are not real, nothing here is real. This is a story, and Urasawa designed these things as pieces in a machine to create an effect. Right? And this is so, a horror
1: chapter, right? Exactly. So, like, exactly.
0: Yeah. so he created this particular group of sex workers in order to to, to inflict maximum trauma on this boy. And I think this is a really good example of of the kind of caution that an author needs to have when they're like, "Okay, I have this job that I need something to do, so I'm going to design it fit for purpose." Um but then you end up doing harm as a result of making something too fit for purpose. You know, I oh, my, you know, you're writing a fantasy story. Oh, my my hero needs uh, my hero I gotta needs. gotta have goblins to kill. You gotta have goblins to kill, right? And but then, oh, whoops! Look at that! Look at that! Uh,
1: Anti-Semitic. Oops. You know,
0: it's oops, oops. You know, so this I.
1: Damn! I the, wish Arasawa had written a fantasy story. Oh
0: man, that would be crazy. I, I guess the point here is just that I, it's just that I'm saying that like when you prioritize function in the story over holistic depictions of something. A lot of the time, not even a lot of the time, but some of the time, if you're not careful, you're going to end up with things that maybe say stuff that you're not trying to say. You know, so if any of you listening, like you're like, oh, I'm your writers, you're you're trying to do this sort of a thing. When you're creating a character or set of characters or group of people or whatever, when you're creating them based on what you need them to do, take a step back and and see what else that's that's saying and what else that's doing because if you're not careful it can run right out of your hands and give people give worse people ammunition things to say and things to think that you know that might get out and do stuff that you don't want it to do in the world
1: yeah um yeah i i don't have too much more to say on this chapter the only thing that i have at the end is i think the panel of when they find milosh you know he's very small on this bridge very far away. It's raining. The light is kind of like patchy. Yeah. I think that's a great panel. Is... Yeah, yeah. The very good.
0: panel, that whole sequence at the end is really good. You know, and the and fact that also... like the time
1: when Grimmer is crying is in the rain, right? Yeah, I am a sucker for tears in the rain. Mm. Every time I watch the end of Blade Runner two, it makes me cry, like ugly cry, not just like tears are coming to my eyes. Like I am like <gasps> like gasping, sobbing at the end of <laughs> Blade Runner two. Yeah, and, and that's. You know, that's what we're doing here.
0: Yeah. And it's also like, like the, the thing here is that like Tenma doesn't give, uh, Milos the pep talk. It's Grimmer. No. Grimmer yes. does it and Grimmer knows what to say. Exactly he knows what, what to, to say. Figure, you know, and then he's crying at the end and it's just, it's just, you know, a uh, human after all, you know, to get like sentimental about it or whatever.
1: And I think that that's notable that he knows exactly how to counteract what Johan would have told him. Yeah, or right? like or what part he was told their... in
0: Kinderheim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like he knows you can tell that he's talking to himself.
1: I mean, because Kinderheim was an orphanage, right? And what is the yeah. thing that when this is the thing that he says, he says, you don't have a mother, but that doesn't mean that you aren't loved.
0: Mm, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I love that he says that. Yes, I love that he doesn't like try and say, oh, yeah, no, you have a mom. just didn't. She's like,
1: out there and she you loves you. No, you he's honest with them. You don't have a mother. Yeah. You
0: do not have one. But that's not, that's not the end, you know, that's not it. You don't need a mother Mm -hmm. to be loved, to be wanted in this world. Uh, And, um, you know, it's a powerful thing for anyone to say, but it's even more powerful coming from Grimmer.
1: It's good. It's a good, uh, I mean, this isn't quite the end of his arc. I don't know. Grimmer will probably come back, just the way that this comic works. Mm -hmm. But this is like, you know, because we run out the clock a little bit on what Grimmer's doing in the rest of this reading. Yeah. But like this feels like a good end to his arc. Definitely,
0: right? yeah. It's it is. That's the perfect way to put it. This this little bit is about wrapping up what Grimmer has been doing, what his function in the story has been. Yeah. Um. You know, because he gets introduced, and we hear ah, his son is dead. He's trying to rectify, you know, Kinder five 5-1, Kinderheim five one one, and he has he has addressed both of those things now. With yes. this scene, all of that is addressed. His smiling is addressed. Like like. All of his threads are tied up. So yeah. that makes sense for why he's why he departs uh uh next uh chapter. And or, like two chapters from uh, now. Yeah,
1: if, we still have a couple chapters to cover. We need to we need to get moving uh yeah. we've got we've got 100 101 102 103 104 we have five chapters left to cover we're not even halfway through this reading. lord
0: almighty <laughs> that said this you know this chapter probably had the most individual
1: i think stuff we'll to speed say. through the rest yeah. of it honestly um
0: yeah i i hope this you know i hope listening to this chapter wasn't too difficult for anybody i hope reading this chapter wasn't too difficult for anyone it's a lot it really is a lot um yeah it's it's rough uh yeah. chapter 100
1: House of Roses. Um, As the chapter opens, Lunga finds a mansion with a locked gate, completely overgrown in roses. He pricks his finger on one of the thorns and remarks that it's like Sleeping Beauty's house. Elsewhere, Jan Sook awakens from his coma with memories of Anna Lieber. Lunga is there, waiting to greet him, explaining that he's a member of the BKA, but is here on vacation, not to arrest Sook. He reviews Sook's case and states that the circumstantial evidence suggests he's the murderer, to which Sook objects. Lunga then suggests Grimmer, to which Suk also objects. Lunga stands to leave and tells Suk to think about it, and uses detective skills to figure out who did it, saying he should look at the person who he least wants to suspect. Outside the hospital room, a goon is waiting for Lunga, but Lunga quickly disarms him and asks for a meeting with his boss, the head of the Czech secret police. Lunga and Lanka meet, and trade polite conversation that quickly turns passive-aggressive. Lanka says Lunga should have been more discreet in the case that led to his fall from Grace, and Lunga tells Lanka that the Czech secret police should have set up a shadow government instead of just pretending to be something scary. At an impasse in the conversation, Lunga changes the topic to a true fear that came out of the old regime and asks about the House of Roses and Franz Bonaparte. Lanka reveals that he doesn't know much and has tried to forget that the house existed. He says political prisoners were held there and a team of researchers was working there. And then one day, they all vanished without a trace. Lunga reveals he's been inside the house and asks about the hastily erected wall that looks pretty new. Longa or er, Longa tells Lunga that he's in danger, and if he tears down that wall and tries to solve this mystery, he'll find the true fear that he's looking for.
0: Yep. Feels like a pretty uh, plot-heavy chapter.
1: Extremely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of stuff that I think we'll come back to later about, you know... Uh, Lunga says that this house looks like Sleeping Beauty's house. Sleeping Beauty mm-hmm. comes up again in the next chapter a little yeah. bit.
0: You know, we're getting we're getting uh, fairy mentions tales. Of fairy tales, exactly. Yeah. You know, so there's you know there's a couple things there, but I don't know. This this chapter doesn't feel like it had a lot for me to grab onto.
1: Um, the only I, mean, I like I ha- Lunga in it.
0: Lunga's, oh yeah, Lunga's, Lunga's greatness. out here swinging. I do love <laughs> hanging out with Lunga.
1: He's giving tough love to everyone. Vacation Lunga is just being honest. I mean, he tells he, he Suk tells like, hey, your girlfriend is the one who did these yeah. murders then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, just when he says, you're a detective, figure it out, buddy. It's so good.
0: It is really funny. I also, I like that scene with, with Jan because um, Jan's just such a normal person. You know, uh, and we've talked about this before. Normal people in the world of monster, I know, but mm. Jan is really hanging on to it. He does not want to believe the world he's in.
1: He's waking up from his coma with visions of his crush. I mean, poor dude.
0: Like, okay. and then there's Lunga, ready to call him. I'm an here, idiot? waiting for you. Yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, it is interesting that Lunga's like using words like "true fear" and a "true yes. devil." Feels a little out of character in a way.
1: Well, to me, this works with his revelation from the end of part one, right? Where like he has realized that, I mean, because that was, I think the words that he used to describe the only way that someone could be like this a, is a if they were a devil. Yeah, right? that is true.
0: That is true. True fear is a new one, though.
1: Yeah, true fear is a new one. Um, I do like, then this is like another, this isn't, I don't think this, maybe this isn't intentional, but I like the idea that he says it was a true fear that came out of the regime. It's almost like, like a summoning right like Mm. because he says that the fear that they had was false but they were able to get something real out of it like it reminds me of the beginning of hellboy right
0: from their fantasy is the way that yeah put it yeah which is that's that is a really interesting way to put it right because like kinderheim and like that that whole project was clearly you know a fantasy this idea of the perfect soldier but there's johan and johan is very real yeah you know so um, and and i like that it's a good way of putting it yeah, and it is interesting to identify the regime uh, and identify this political group and their goals with the concept of fantasy. Um, this idea mm. that a whole bunch of people fooling themselves and then causing pain outside of that, like, I don't know how strongly those themes are going to maintain, but it's an interesting, like, it's it's a single point of connection that could bear fruit, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I just think in general, like the the tone, the tone has shifted. Oh, quite it's sick trally. as hell. I mean,
1: yeah, it's exciting. Lunga at this scary mansion. This is like gothic fantasy romance. Like, yeah, I love it. I love at the end when he's breaking down this wall. He's taking off his suit jacket. His tie is askew. He's hitting this wall with a shovel. This is this is t- this is dude's rock to me. Like a guy mm-hmm. in dress clothes doing manual labor on his vacation. Hell yeah, yeah
0: yeah totally i i I think it's also i think in terms of formal structure i think at this point it's it's good to note that you know the first half of monsters is pretty episodic but the second Mm -hmm. half feels like one thing yes you know i mean we were like you guys were here for the first 20 minutes of this episode you know you know our thoughts on this um and i think i think maybe that's uh, to me this the second half like yeah it's page turning yeah it is chapter by chapter but it feels like it's prioritizing the overall flow the The way it's doing cutaways
1: yes the way it's doing cutaways here is less all right let's go do another adventure it's we're going to cut away to build tension for the thing that you really want to see and that Mm. dials it in in the next chapter when Mm. we keep cutting back to lunga breaking down this door right and it's like you are dying to see what is behind this door absolutely um yeah. it's it's good yeah i'm very glad you called out that change in pacing because i i did not notice that but i, I totally yeah. agree well i think it's like, been
0: i think it's been the case since you know the second yes. season began absolutely but we, you know but like you we needed to get through a bit of it before we could say for sure that that's what was going on
1: yeah because we talked about how munich was yeah. different from prague and i think you have mm-hmm. you have called out how it is
0: yeah totally all right yeah okay uh chapter 101 sealed or the sealed door Lunga busts his way in, and we cut away to Tenma interviewing the guy who was the editor for Franz Bonaparte slash Emil Scherb slash Klaus Papa. Um, so Tenma interviews him and learns a little bit about, about the author and how he was a psychologist, a PhD in psychology, a licensed medical doctor specializing ...in neuroscience... ...and how he was clearly working for some kind of strange government branch... ...but that he didn't seem like a politician. Uh, The last time he saw him... uh, ...Bonaparte suggested a story about a door that must never, ever be opened. Uh, After Tenma leaves, the editor calls Tenma in... Uh, because he recognized him from a newspaper clipping. And then we cut back to Lunga entering the sealed room. It's just a big empty room. And Lunga says, how many people died here? Ten. Twenty. No. More than that. And as he looks around the room, he sees a portrait. A very large portrait above the mantelpiece of the woman from the sketchbook. The mother. Of the twins, I said a portrait about, didn't I? Is I said a portrait of. I think you well, said a portrait of? Hmm, that'd be funny if I said about. Uh, but yeah, this chapter goes by pretty quick.
1: Oh, because um, you're flipping pages to see what is behind that door. Because it keeps cutting. Like I said, yeah, you know, a minute ago, it keeps cutting back to Lunga breaking down this door. Yeah,
0: and that I mean, and that sequence, that sequence at the beginning of of Lunga, you know. Bashing, you know like like digging his way into the door super exciting it's so suspenseful and there's the door you know and all it of makes it so slow it breaks it down into it.
1: so many detailed panels yeah. you're just Oof. like oh give it to me
0: it's great it's great it really is good you know and then right um, as he opens it then bam cut and it's like oh you son of a bitch yeah um it's perfect pacing it's really great pacing and very reminiscent of what makes a lot of modern tv good you know, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, it's really interesting the way that Monster, especially this back half, feels like modern prestige television oh, more 100%. than it feels like a film or a television series from the era that it came out in. Like this kind of pacing is so Fargo.
1: We have me. joked a lot about how we would cast Monster in different ways, right? Like, if mm. we're doing The Office, if we're doing The Muppets, right? If yeah, we're doing yeah. a movie. But if we're doing Prestige TV, like, this is the thing now. Like, if we're doing an HBO show.
0: Right. Because Monster's on HBO. We... You know Monster's on HBO. Oh,
1: Monster's on HBO. Yeah. yeah. Like, who do we cast in this <sighs> if we're doing Monster on HBO is the thing. Monster on I think HBO. we have to do this maybe as a bonus, right? Where we come up with Man. picks.
0: I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. We can't spend too much time on it. Uh, no, but not today. But it is it is always fun to think about casting. But yeah, yeah this uh, what do you think of this little editor character? I think he's kind of fun. He kind of feels like the kind of character we'd see more more frequently in the first half of the series. Yes,
1: no, and I was trying to bounce out, you know, whether is he also sinister or not. And I don't think he is. My favorite detail about him is he says he's not an editor anymore. What he does is he just spends his time reading newspapers from all around the world and like he's a columnist, right? And I love that. So here's the thing that I did make note of, Mm -hmm. right, is, okay, so here are the professions that this story has talked about a lot. We've talked about doctors a lot. We've talked about sex workers a lot. We've talked about people who work at newspapers a lot, right? Because Grimmer's cover story was he worked at a newspaper. Tenma has made friends with multiple newspaper guys. And now this guy is also a newspaper guy um i think it's interesting that these are like the three professions in this in this well i guess the fourth profession would be professional assassin yeah but um, yeah these are
0: the kinds of these are the kinds of people that this series focuses on
1: yeah um so i i i like this guy a lot and i don't think he's sinister i think he's doing the right thing in calling in this person that he thinks is is a murderer right Mm. um from his from his newspaper clippings, I wonder if he wanted um, to get if
0: he wanted to get psychoanalytical with it. Um, I wonder if like killers, sex workers, well, it's it's killers, sex workers, doctors, newspaper, newspaper guys. guys. I'm just wondering if there is some way that we could map id, ego, super ego. <laughs> Oh geez.
1: I, oh, geez. Oh, <laughs> geez. I, well, I don't know, like like
0: professional killers and, and sex workers, maybe it, and then doctors, maybe ego, and then the newspaper men who report on it, who observe from outside. Maybe that's super ego. Maybe, maybe this, I mean, I know for a fact this is dumb. This is like a silly lens. Look, uh, go for it. But, but yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I can't, I can't speak to it. Yeah. um i did think it like i said i think it's interesting that you know there's mm. the the two genders memes here are the four jobs yeah uh, in in this story the
0: Four genders yeah 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 um,
1: um i i like it i i like this guy i love the backstory that he gives like he's like yeah he would hang out with my daughter my daughter thought he was really creepy like all the yeah. stories that he tells about these this dude like all were all of his books about fairy tale monsters because one of his other ones was like yeah i was gonna write this book It was kind of like Sleeping Beauty, kind of like Beauty and the Beast, you know. Yeah. Um, I
0: also wonder if, like, he says there was an elegance and grace to his bearing. He had a light mm, and breezy expression on his face. Well, now, who else do we know who could fit that description? Johan. Johan, you know, so that that strikes me as just an interesting point of uh, connection or continuation.
1: Yeah, because at this point, I'm pretty sure, and I'm just going to lay this out, because you like it when I make calls like this. I love it when you gamble. I'm pretty sure this is the deal, right? Because we learn in the next chapter, or maybe two chapters from here, that um, uh, Margot Langer's best friend, her parents were political dissidents or something, Mm. and she was captured and brought back to Prague trying to escape. So I think she ended up at this mansion, right, where, you know, because that's what the guy says is – or that's what in the last chapter what the the colonel said was political prisoners went there. There were researchers. I think she ended up there. You know, Franz Bonaparte was in charge of this mansion. Clearly, he is fixated on her in some ways. I mean, he has sketches of her. There's the portrait. I think he is the twin's father is the thing. And she – tried to leave him mm-hmm. at some point and then he has snatched them back interesting. you know whatever i i don't know i can't I'll be, say I'll be for honest sure. with
0: you i legitimately don't remember if that's right or not really um, okay that's um, interesting well the further me. we the further we get into the series the less detail i remember okay um it's kind of how it always goes with me i remember the beginnings of things quite clearly uh but the ends get fuzzy my um, other thing is that I
1: think that the the party that Nina has a flashback of, I think that's like a Jonestown situation, you know, where Lunga says many people died here. Uh-huh. I think it's a party in that room and it's poisoned wine or something and everyone's dying for some reason.
0: Could well be. Yeah. We'll oh, poison
1: see. candy. Who loves doing poison candy? It's Johan. Who loves I poison? don't know. We'll um, see.
0: There's also something, you know what's interesting about that poison? What was it? I There was some, there was something I was watching. Oh, that's right! It was a really bad episode of SVU. Um,
1: oh, bad episodes of SVU are such a delight.
0: Terrible, terrible episode of SVU. Uh,
1: SVU. I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna make a call that is gonna probably frustrate some of our listeners. Mm. I hate Law and Order. It is one of my least favorite television shows
0: i'm not particularly partial to it but it can be compelling you gotta i
1: like, mean look you gotta have something on where you're folding laundry i will give you that it's, but it's, like, yeah, it's
0: good for that well maya oh. was so like my my best friend maya she is like the youngest of of several kids and in a house that like kept taking in strays you know so by the time she came out her mom was completely sick of, of kids shows so she just watched svu maya just grew up on svu and now she goes to sleep with SVU one she will just leave it running all night long so like you know and she's also a true crime uh fanatic uh so just that just that kind of a person so i've watched svu a decent a decent bit at this point um some of it's really goddamn good some of it's legitimately great as long as you can you know swallow the premise Look, of i like stabler good a lot um, i like
1: stabler a oh lot. yeah
0: man stabler benson no it's 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 great yeah oh. Oh, Munch. Anyway, point is. Yeah, Munch is great. Point is, though, there was a bad episode of this that put a lot of weight on poisoning being a woman's way to kill. Like men, <laughs> men don't poison.
1: Was the refrain. No, uh, that's that's not just from SVU. I've heard that before. Yeah, that no, is. I mean, it's, yeah, it's
0: roughly, it's roughly true. Um, you know, it's, but it's, it's very funny. Out, but it is funny to to hear it is stated <laughs> in that in that way and then used as as like investigative thing but this whole thing about like poisoning and the fact that it is considered especially even more in the 90s a a effeminate means of murder it might also speak to Johan's gender nonconformity that when he yeah. kills it is not directly it is not with his own two hands it is through proxies or through poison
1: it's through physical poisoning or mental poisoning
0: yeah, you know, and there is a couple ways we can read that because that's also devilish because the devil doesn't get his own hands dirty. Ooh. You know, right? So there's there's a connection there, but I also think that there is an unfortunate association with with being not manly.
1: Yeah. You know? Good call. Good pull. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um so, yeah. So there's that uh, a story. The only
1: a, the only other yeah. note that I had here, I think it's a very good bit when yeah. uh, when the editor's like, Yeah, he used to sit in that chair that you're sitting in right now, and Tenma's like, Oh shit. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. Down at the chair. yeah,
0: Tenma is very uncomfortable in that moment, and that is a funny that is a fun moment.
1: There there is a chair. I'm gonna tell Matt's Matt story real quick. There's a chair in our basement that is uh, it's a crate, right? That is fashioned into a chair. And my mom hates these chairs, right? My dad and his dad made them. Right. They're they're super clunky and kind of ugly. Like when we were kids, we would roughhouse and cuz they have sharp edges cuz they're made out of shipping containers, we would hurt ourselves on these chairs all the time, right? Yeah. They are mine like I have laid dips to them when I have a house, I'm going to get those chairs. But recently, like in the last 3 or 4 years, those chairs came up in conversation and my mom looked at me point blank and was like, "You know your grandfather died in that chair." And I was like, uh, "Excuse me?" Uh. <laughs> She's oh like, God. "Yeah." You oh know, when God. he had that heart attack, it was in that chair. Jesus, <laughs> like, oh, wow. So, just, yeah, like, that was just, what like, I thought of. What I saw—that
0: get some like spray paint and put like R.A.P. Grandpa" on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, on the um, side somewhere. But honestly, what that did was it made me want the chair love even one. more. Oh yeah, goth girls will love that. They're story. like,
0: oh fuck, your grandpa died in this chair. In this chair. In this chair. Yeah, it's um, a good chair. <laughs> I well, you know, at least he was
1: comfortable. <laughs> Yeah, but um, he <laughs> positively was.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Do we think there's anything here? Like, is there anything interesting about a story about a door that must never ever be opened the door absolutely can't be opened, so I guess it's not much of a story. Like, obviously, we're supposed to identify this with the door in the Red Rose Mansion. Yes. But that seems like kind of a boring conclusion. Like, do you think it has any other thematic relevance? Like, what door? Because maybe he's talking about a different door. Is he talking about a metaphorical door? What, what would well, that be? Well, the metaphor first thing it
1: made for? me think about before he said this isn't really a story that we can tell, the first thing that I thought about was like schrodinger's cat, right? Like, well, mm. you know, if the door is open and closed <laughs> at the same time, we can't know what's behind it hmm. right uh that's interesting. Oh, I, yeah um but i don't i don't know i i do agree like if you're just saying well there's a door that can never be opened and that's the end of the story i don't think that that's interesting i think the editor's right like that's a terrible story um <laughs> but <laughs> yeah i don't know i at this point i can't figure out if the, it doesn't seem to thematically fit with everything else that we have it, said it about the story, it doesn't. It doesn't seem to hook yeah. in.
0: Like the gears, the gears aren't clicking, in. and maybe we'll get some more gears eventually that will that will connect this up to the larger apparatus. But I right mean, it now, makes what
1: we're doing right now with Lunga yeah. more interesting, right? Yes, but like, yes, it doesn't. True. Nothing more for the story yeah. as a whole. And
0: that kind of that kind of surprises me. It seems like this is a really good opportunity to have to have done something yeah. that with a bit bigger scope. So yes. that's kind of why I feel like maybe it does, and we just don't know it yet. Uh, So just something to keep a pin in, keep an eye on. Yeah, keep an eye on doors, doors and that sort of a thing. Uh, And then there is that great sequence with Lunga checking out the room. That full page, that full page of Lunga just in this empty room. Oh, buddy. What was, so your, good. what was your first thought when, like, he gets in this room and, like, we've been building up to this for this whole, like, couple chapters and it's a big empty room. Like, what was your first, what was your well, first I thought, thought? he was going to
1: go down into, like, a basement lab or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And there's something about, like, just an empty room where we don't know what happened is just, like... Oh, it's such a good like you think you're going to get the answer but then you don't. <laughs> We're just continuing to build tension like mm. and he has a couple details. There's like a single chair sitting in the middle of the room that's like spooky looking. Um I love him just like ripping boards off the window to let more light into this room so he can see what is in here. Yeah. It's
0: the sequence the the page where he's figuring out how many people died is so oh. well done. It's insane. Yeah. It's so good the way that he's like looking back and forth and counting, just counting. Um, And and it's also really cool because how does he know? Like, we don't know where he's getting this from.
1: It's his subjective in the mind of the killer thing, right? I mean, the only thing that he says that would give any indication is it smells like disinfectant in here, right? Like someone wiped this room down, right? But damn, it's good. I like it yep and then he you know he pries the bars off the window so he can get a a view of the painting which is of course you know a a fully portraitized version of the sketch from uh from the sketchbook he found earlier Mm -hmm. a woman who looks like johan and nina uh who we assume is their mother is the you know
0: the mother of the twins yeah pretty good chapter
1: Good, good, good dude, chapter.
0: Good. I gotta say i'm really I'm really pleasantly surprised by how much pod we're getting out of this oh, stuff. This
1: is gonna be a lot five star runtime, folks
0: Five star runtime, five star podcast. uh no thanks, of course, to our digressions on various things.
1: They've been fun. This is a Friday the, afternoon I, pod. We're having a nice, lazy yeah. Friday. I think yeah. they're
0: fun. I think they're not completely irrelevant. No, um, you know, uh thanks for listening, everybody.
1: Thank uh, you for listening.
0: Let's go to chapter one hundred and two.
1: 102, a long goodbye. Uh, Tenma and Grimmer go by the orphanage where they dropped off, and he seems to be recovering. Kids are resilient. Grimmer watches the kids playing soccer sadly, saying that he's realized he's bad at soccer because it's all about teamwork. The two go to visit Jan's mom, who eventually seems to recognize them, telling Grimmer that he shouldn't spend all of his energy thinking about other people, and she hopes that he'll always be good friends with Jan. Grimmer and Tenma talk about how Jan will always have to be on the run, like Tenma, and then Grimmer announces his plan. He'll send a letter to the cops, framing himself for the crimes, and then go on the run in Jan's place. Grimmer will cease to exist, because after all, he never really existed in the first place. Tenma and Grimmer have an emotional goodbye, and Grimmer tells him, I know there's no point in telling you to be safe, but just don't die. Tenma makes Grimmer promise that they'll meet up again someday and have that picnic and go trout fishing. The two split, and Tenma stops to help a kid who scraped their knee. Suddenly, the cops arrive to arrest Tenma. Mm. Man, I did not a... expect that ending. Exactly. I really did not. I yeah. mean,
0: that's what really—that's what really sings about this chapter is that. It it has finally happened, and it really is at the moment where you would least expect it. Least
1: expect it, because he slipped out of it so many times before, and then it hits us here
0: it's just here in the middle, just like there's other stuff happening in the chapter. He's doing his doctoring thing. And we're like, okay, I guess, you know, maybe it's a return to the status quo. Maybe.
1: Yeah. What adventure, what doctor thing is he going to go off on exactly. next? Exactly. But you know? no,
0: he's getting fucking arrested. It's
1: finally this is it, happened. It's the end of the road. He doesn't yeah. have,
0: like, they have him surrounded. They are pointing all of their guns at him. He has no way of getting out of this. It's finally happened. And it, and it is happening, like, you know, we, we've talked about how Urasawa knows that he's writing something episodic. He knows that he's writing something in volumes, right? And this is genius because it's not happening at a volume ending point, right? It's not happening at a place where you would yeah. expect a cliffhanger, and that's what makes it hit so hard. So it's uh, it, it's really cool. It's really cool. Um, yeah, do you have any, any thoughts about this chapter?
1: The only the only note that I have is, you know, Grimmer says this thing, like, I'm going to have to go on the run, you know, Grimmer will cease to exist, but he never really existed in the first place. Mm. This is the thing that Johan said back during the fire, right? Like, I don't exist. I, did he yeah. say that? When did that yes, come up?
0: he says, I, yeah, he says I don't exist. Okay, uh, he so, said it when he was with uh, fake Margot Langer.
1: Okay, with fake Langer, that's when yeah. that's when he said it. Yeah. And this is, I know one of the things about the end of this story is, did Johan ever really exist, right? Um... I, such an I don't annoying,
0: know. Such an annoying question.
1: Uh, yeah, a little bit, but such I a, think it's... Such a
0: game theory-ass question. Keep yes. Me out of, keep me out of that shit. Got You're it. right. Is there, like, I hate... Here's my thing. Here's my thing. Since it came up, and I'm sure I'll talk about this more later, but just in case anyone wanted to know what my take on this was, uh, I strongly dislike any theory about a piece of fiction that invalidates part of the premise. If it inde- if it invalidates part of the premise, fuck you, back to the drawing board. You have to trust what the series tells you.
1: Yeah. And I I think I agree with you. I think that this is a silly question because, like, oh, Grimmer never really existed. Of course he did. Grimmer's just a name, Yeah, yeah you it's just, are it's, a he's, pers- t-
0: he's just talking about the name. Like, he's just and, saying, like, and the that's name what doesn't belong saying. to me. You
1: yeah, know, that's which what is he's a saying very, here. Which is an
0: interesting and meaningful thing for, for him to have said, you know, like... Like I had a name, they took it away from me, and they gave me Grimmer. But Grimmer doesn't really belong to him. Like that's just what people call him, and so like, that's what makes it such a such a heartbreaking and and meaningful thing for for Grimmer to say, you know. And um, and it's very wistful, bittersweet, super yes. bittersweet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. You know. Um, no, the 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 sequence of them leaving each other is fantastic. I mean, they both do the turnaround and wave as they walk away. Yeah. It's it's a neat the way it's drawn is neat because it goes to like soft white light there's no backgrounds and they're like having their emotional moment with each other and then we yeah. slowly fade back to the yeah. detailed city backgrounds as they walk away mm. like it's cool i like it it's good yeah. you know them saying we're gonna go trout fishing someday like probably not we know this about this story is that when you make plans to do things you're especially tragically killed fishing. Especially, especially fishing fishing yeah. is really
0: the, the death toll on the death fishing is yeah um very yeah. high uh yeah um the little sequence with Milosh counting at the front of the chapter. Oh, is I love so it. Cute. It's so cute. He's <laughs> so cute. He's so cute. He just he counts up, and everyone, and all the other kids laugh. And oh, it's really.
1: uh it's And adorable. there's a moment of tension where he gets knocked over in the soccer game. It's the same as like when when Grimmer got knocked over, and he realized these kids aren't psychopaths, right? It's mm. like Milosh gets knocked over, and you're like, how is he going to react to this? And all of his friends are like, hey, we love you, Milosh. And he's like, I'm okay. And then the 10 men yeah. Grimmer are like, okay, thank Miloš God, okay. he's okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, and then Temba does doctoring and then whoop. Whoops. Whoop. There it is. Yeah. Okay. Anything else about this chapter in particular? I, I this No,
1: I I don't have anything else.
0: This one's also short. It feels like I think this is a really short chapter.
1: 103, it's pretty quick. Uh,
0: 102. Oh, one,
1: 102 was quick, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: 103 and 104 I think are a little bit chunkier in terms of strength. Okay. 104, I think
1: we're going to have a lot to talk in, about.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 1976, Helenka Novakova, um, also known as Margot Langer. Real Margot Langer. Real Margot Langer. Has received a letter from her friend in Prague. And she seeks comfort in. uh, Ah, hell. What's his name?
1: Uh, Oh, now I can't remember. Shuvald?
0: Shuvald, yeah. Uh, You know, seeks seeks comfort in Shuvald. Uh, In the present day, Dr. Reichwein talks to a real inveterate alcoholic who mentions that uh, a friend of his, who's also a terrible alcoholic, wants to see him. But he's got something more important to do. Uh, So he goes and he meets with uh, Schuvald. And he (laughs) shows Schuvald all of his travel photos to Prague. And says he didn't actually learn anything. Not a single clue. Uh... In the past, Schuvald goes to Prague and meets with the mother of the twins, and sees the twins hiding behind her skirt. Back in the present, Reckvine is about to start a uh, is about to start a counseling session, until he hears that Doctor Tenma's been arrested. He runs out to watch the news, and then his uh, his patient comes in. To also watch the news, and it's Ava Heineman. Right. That, that was a bit of a messy summary. I hope everyone followed that. No, no, um, no. It works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love seeing Ava.
1: I do too. Love At this Ava. point, I love it when Ava shows up.
0: Yeah. Remember, I told you, you love to hate. You know, yeah. it's just like whatever She's Ava the shows
1: worst. Up, she's... I love her.
0: Yeah. It's just cool to see her again. You know, it's been so long and you're like, oh, fuck, Ava. Um, I thought
1: she was going to show up a volume or two ago. And then when she mm -hmm. came this time, I was like, here she is. She's back.
0: Here's Ava. Yeah, it's great to hang out with Reichwein. It's so good to see Reichwein again. I was missing my His travel photos
1: are... So good. <laughs> they They're are really- so good listeners. you need to just like look at this chapter just for his travel photos. He's There's one he says, I even got smart. a portrait made of myself, and his portrait is like him doing the thinker pose. Yes! it's so good. I love it. Yeah,
0: yeah, I love um, it. actually, so he he mentions the Carllo bridge. Uh, I, I've been there. That was one of the places I went. um I, I remember hanging out kind of at the end. At the end of the bridge with uh with Lucy and I almost swore loudly in Russian and then I remembered what? Well there's like there's like that 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 meme, right? Sukobyat. Um
1: No, I okay, don't know this. Just, you need to like, explain this to it's me. It's just
0: a Russian swear that you see around or uh, it's like Russian Polish and you like see it around on the internet like in like country ball spaces uh okay. i guess oh god um oh I, my word yeah, yeah but that's a, a space the that i forgot there. about yeah, yeah right oh my um word. anyway so it was just in my head at the time and i almost said it and then i was like maybe i don't loudly swear in russian in the middle of Prague. maybe i don't do that um so that's my story about the charles bridge what's
1: um, the anime girl one about the european nations italia yeah is country ball it- italia
0: yeah essentially country ball i mean they are basically the same thing i mean any personification of countries although you know i mean i don't know about personifications of countries but i really i do like fiction about like things that are personified there's um there's a series called the authority um oh Wildstorm, and there's a character in that jack something lord no but his power is like... He is that got... the
1: one with the ghost and the drummer? Is that the authority or is no, that No, that's,
0: that's a planetary. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, the, the thing that this character can do in the authority is he got modified by aliens, so now he can talk to cities. Like, he can oh, connect with sick. cities and, like, talk yeah. to their personifications. And I'm just like... Like, this makes no sense, but I love it. And there's a character who needed way more screen time, and we didn't get enough time with that super weird and cool superpower. Um, And the authority is honestly kind of bad. (laughs) Mark Millar had a long run on it, so... Exactly.
1: Yeah, uh, I made, listeners, I made it face. Mark Millar is not one of my no, favorite writers.
0: <laughs> no, Mark Millar. There's a oof oof. A I feel like there's
1: one Mark Millar story. It's it's the Red Sun is the one everyone likes, right? That's his only. Yeah, yeah I, think I don't that's, really that's care just, for. It's There's parts of Red Sun that I like. Yeah, but...
0: but yeah. Anyway, um, I think the sequence at the front of this chapter with Helenka is is good. Um. You know, I, I, I like learning a bit more about her. I like seeing more of her. It would be very easy for would to just not do anything more with the character. Um, I'm
1: surprised we've seen as much of her as we have, honestly. Yeah,
0: for real. Yeah. And...
1: Uh, the only note I have from that is, you know, she says call her by her real name you know just after we said the thing about like you know grimmer does that really Mm. matter that's that's not a real name so i think you know i don't think this is as big of a theme as like connection and love and family and stuff like that but i think like names and stuff like that especially because like johan's name has come from this storybook right yeah
0: no i mean like the nameless monster what do we need names for like oh yeah names are well names are important in monster (laughs) because identity it's important it's tied to to your name
1: so much yeah Yeah,
0: exactly you know um and so i think i think any it it makes a lot of sense that a story so strongly tied to the concept of identity is using names as a shorthand yes yes exactly exactly you know this grimmer character doesn't exist he doesn't exist but but that name is a false name and a false identity that doesn't have a lot to do with the actual human he is you know is is kind of the way that that I'm seeing it, and you know we have multiple characters in this story that use different names for different reasons. Um, uh, have names, yeah, taken Nina, from Anna, them, Johan, like the whole thing is, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, so it's in, in Monster we see a lot of the functions of names. Names can represent. Names can obfuscate. Names can mislead. Names can hide. Um, names can also be honest and revealing. You know, so there's all of these things names can do, uh, and they're very tied up with a lot of the stuff that uh, is important to the series.
1: Yeah, um, that's really I don't I don't really have any other notes well, what, on this chapter. What do you think about uh,
0: What do you think about um, Mr. Talbach? Uh, the patient that, uh, that, oh, Reichwein. that dude sucks. He My sucks. note is he,
1: he is, he is horrible. Where he's like, Yeah, no, I made a ton of money on the stock market. So, you know, I went out on a couple of drinks, and the way he is so smug about it, he's terrible. I hate him. And Reichwein is just so, like, exhausted by this dude. Yeah,
0: Reichwein does not like this guy. The guy says, There's a woman I'd like you to say to see. And Reichwein, like, has a has the like, like, little, not like,
1: now. I don't have time.
0: Yeah, another new mistress. And he, like, has, like, the little, like, nose, like, snort. I'm like, come on, man. Yeah, um, yeah, it's funny, and yeah, the travel photos so funny. Perfect, so, good. I'm going amazing. to use those as
1: the thing for this this week. I was I think. just it's his I, travel would, photos. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I love that. I love that.
1: Um, I like that him and shoewald continue to hang out. Like honestly, yes, yeah. Uh, it's
0: it's cool that they're that. Yeah, the, you know, Schuwald You know, and Carl's, I I had
1: yeah. said previously that I'm done with Shoewald Carl being tender. I'm through with it. But mm-hmm. you know. When Reichwein is like, hey, I heard you're not eating. Like, that's not good. You have stuff to live for. You have a son who loves you. He's right out there. You know? Yep. Like, Reichwein continues to be a good doctor. Yep. And a good friend. You Absolutely. know?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Reichwein, you know, maintaining communicate, maintaining a connection, right? Mm-hmm. Reichwein and Schuvald, they they connected, and that connection has maintained, which, boy, howdy, are we going to hey, talk about what? that? Hey, guess what? Chapter 104. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And
1: uh Are we ready to just get into it?
0: I think? think we're ready to just get into it.
1: Okay. So chapter one of four is called The Ones Left Behind, and I do want to make the note very quick that there've been previous chapters. It was the Woman Left Behind, which was the first chapter that we got with Ava after the Turkish Quarter stuff.
0: Nice. Good. And pill. then we got Good the point. man
1: left behind, which was the Lunga chapter immediately after that. <laughs> right. So the ones left behind are typically stuff about people from 10 months past. Which wow! Is what
0: wow, this, what this Matt, chapter is. how did I miss that? Goddamn! Oh.
1: It's uh, it's well, part of it was because when those chapters came up, I thought those names were a little clunky, and then when mm. this one came up, I was like, oh, here it is. There we go. Let's it do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this chapter, the ones left behind. So actually, I did not finish writing my summary for this one, so I'm just gonna try to do it off the dome. It's gonna be a little bit sloppy. Um. A group of people meet in a cafe and catch up on each other's lives. All of them are former patients of Dr. Tenma who were given a second lease on life because of his life-saving surgeries that they did. They looked at the chair where he used to sat drinking his tea alone and say that, you know, obviously he could not have done this murder that he's been accused of, and they have to figure out how to help him. Uh, we then cut to Dr. Schumann. Uh, from the village when Tenma was being frontier Dr. Tenma. He's living with, you know, Petra and Petra's son, the police officer, and they're also talking about Dr. Tenma and how he's been wrongfully imprisoned and they have to do whatever they can to help him. Uh, Petra tells Dr. Schumann that he needs to go, you know, so he can uh, be a character witness for Tenma's innocence and they have a brief argument where he says, you know, if I leave, then who will be the doctor for the town? And Petra says, you know, we'll, we'll get someone from the, the hospital in the next biggest city. You have to go because I wouldn't have my life if it wasn't for this man. We would, you and me and my son would not be together if it wasn't for Dr. Tenma. So Schumann agrees to leave, but not before first checking up on the patient who a guy on a motorcycle has come in to tell him that he needs to check on. Um, we then cut to, do we cut to, is, the, is it the Vietnamese doctor next? yes. Okay, so we cut to the Vietnamese doctor from Munich who uh, Tenma worked with and told her that she should go to medical school and become a doctor so she could better assist in her, uh, her work at the refugee clinic. And she also is watching the news report about Dr. Tenma and trying to figure out what she can do to help him. And we get a little bit of updates on her. She has now decided that she's going to medical school, stuff like that. Um, she's trying to figure out how she's going to help him. Then I think we cut to Carl and Erschewald. Uh, where Wald is, inspect- is instructing Carl that he needs to go and, you know, go to every region in Germany and hire the best lawyer there. Because the, the big kind of thing in this chapter is no one knows where Tenma is going to be brought to. There's a lot of discussion about, well, you know, the BKA doesn't lead investigations, but, you know, they'll interrogate. We don't know where he's going to go. It might be Heidelberg. It might be somewhere else. Who knows where he's going to end up? So Schuwald has instructed Carl that he needs to go to every region in Germany and hire the best lawyer, um, so that they can defend Tenma. Because this is how they strike back against the darkness, right? This is how this is how they defeat Johan is by protecting Tenma. In this moment, um, we then cut back to the cafe. Uh, Doctor Becker is there as well, and he says that you know what these people are doing is, you know, it's it's very sweet, it's very kind-hearted, but it probably won't work. But, you know, they should still come together for Tenma. Uh, and then the chapter ends with uh, Dr. Reichwein and Ava on the train to Prague, uh, with Ava revealing her connection to Tenma, to Dr. Reichwein, and them saying that Ava is the only one who can save him. Even though he ruined her life, hmm. Ava knows the truth about who was there on the night of one of those first murders, and she is going to be the key to getting him out
0: yep
1: good what a chapter
0: chapter what a what a good chapter
1: hey everyone let's lend our energy to the spirit bomb for dr yeah, tenma <laughs> so he can defeat spirit cell bomb. or yeah. uh young boo not Cell. yeah the spirit uh, bombs for boo
0: well there's a, i mean the spirit bombs for a few things eh um, but everyone
1: lending their strength is for boo
0: I thought it was for no wasn't it for Vegeta wasn't it like at the first wasn't it in the Saiyan saga that he did the spirit bomb
1: maybe they do it every time I just know about it from the mega 64 video honestly
0: uh I see because it it
1: does make me cry when here's the thing that will make Matt cry everyone lending their energy for the spirit bomb it's it's a (laughs) banger
0: (laughs) you know I'm actually surprised not to see I'm surprised you didn't see the uh Turkish folks
1: yeah that um but he only has so
0: many pages and you know oh and where is our
1: buddy the little criminal
0: Otto, where's Otto? Where's Heckle? Where's Otto Heckle? Man. Um
1: But when yeah. the doctor when, when Schumann and Petra and Petra's son showed up, I was very happy for that.
0: Definitely. Yeah, no, it's And sad. that and I
1: think is the part that makes me cry, honestly. Like when they're when they're talking about you know, uh, everything that Tenma has done for them. And it's, man, it is such a good inversion on what we know about Tenma. Because so, I mean, we talked about this in Tenma's flashback chapters. Oh, Tenma also has no connections. He is alone, right? And what, this cha- what these chapters are showing us is, no, he was never alone. Everything that he has done for all of these people, of course everyone remembers him, right? Like, man, it is yeah. so good.
0: He has, he has done good in the world.
1: This is some real, it's a wonderful life-ass shit. Yeah, My
0: (laughs) God, that's exactly what it is. And it's also, I feel like this is necessary too, because this, remember, again, we talked about Urasawa knowing when a volume ends. This is such a good volume end. Oh, yeah. Especially after the volume, including Border Town, right? Mm -hmm. Like after, after a fucking bomb like that, we need some Tums. We need some emotional Tums. Oh, good, yeah. And this is just such, like, you know, even though there's still stakes, even though there's danger, it feels so good to be, like, the people we can trust, the people we can rely on, they're coming together to help Tenma. Like, we have, even if things are bleak, even if stuff is hard, we have each other, you know? And that's, um... And that gives the reader strength. You know. Yeah. yeah. I really I really do feel feel emboldened and reassured by this chapter.
1: And like honestly, the fact that you know, I've talked before about how a couple volumes ago I realized, like, oh, maybe killing Johan is not the way that we need to go about this, right? Like, now the fact that the story has said, actually, the way that you defeat the monster is through community and connections. Mm. Like, holy cow. <laughs> it is <laughs> Oh my word, I did not see it coming at all, and I should have, but because, like, I mean, I bought in too quickly to, yeah, we need to kill this horrible little child. Um <laughs> but, And I am, look, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but that is, I, I bought no, in right I away. I mean,
0: Maya constantly razzes me because the first time, so I, I only finished Avatar The Last of Airbender for the first time <sighs> recently. And so that last, yeah. spoilers, right? So the last bit where... Good pull
1: honestly. Uh, where as Aang a is like
0: is is fighting Ozai and the whole time I'm like, all right, Aang, just kill him. Just kill him. And Maya's like, you are misreading this so bad. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Just kill him. And then Aang takes his bending away and I was like, oh well, if that was an option, <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah. I guess I guess and if it, that
1: was an option, okay. You look, know? Is it a little bit of a Deus Ex Machina? Yes. But does it thematically fit with the whole show? Yes, absolutely. It would
0: make no sense at all for Ang if he killed it. It would make none, you know. But it's also it's it's just it's modern radicalization brain where where like murder feels like a big a big option uh, these days. Um, uh, Although you know what else this does make me think of though Fargo because let me tell you something that first season of Fargo maybe the most of any any piece of media I've ever seen. Portrays murder as a horrible thing no one should yeah. ever do. Like, I it was so sickening when people killed each other in Fargo. And like, I've, you know, I've been in the world, I've seen lots and lots of murder and and death in in media and perpetrated plenty of it in video games. I have never, ever encountered one that really made you feel the the pain and and awfulness of taking a life like that first season of Fargo. It was really impressive. Um, at least that's, yeah, that's we how We've got it some felt real.
1: To me. You know, I, I don't want to be too mean because mm. I know you did say you just watched the show, but we've got we've got some real guy who's only seen the Boss Baby. You're uh, absolutely right. Y- you know. Look, know, listeners, <laughs> listeners. I mean, like, I don't spend.
0: You know, I don't spend a lot of time with like prestige crime television. Fargo. So this an is outlier.
1: this is a big thing that Quinn has watched this show. Honestly, because is. that is not well, in their it's, lane.
0: It's it's also like to me. I think it's just because the stylization of Fargo. Is just ever so slightly more heavy-handed than the stylization of The Sopranos or yes. or The Wire or Breaking Bad. These are all very grounded shows stylistically, not just not just in terms of setting, but in terms of stylization. But Fargo, the Fargo's camera work—it's goofy. goofy. The camera work is more interesting. The there's dialogue large adult sons is more interesting. Yeah, you know, there's it is. It just has more going for it, for me. It's heightened. It is heightened a little bit, mm. and I, I require some heightening uh, to really get into something. So it is It is special, uh, and yeah... I'm willing to take. I'm willing to tank that. I'm willing to take that only seen boss baby. I am really susceptible to only seen boss baby. I remember I was hanging out with someone. I mean, and, I am too. And I was yeah. looking through like a tarot deck that they had, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this reminds me a lot of this card in Toth in this in this other tarot deck." And they're like, "Yeah, most tarot decks have that." And I was like, "Fuck," you know. It's like I've only I've only read card. I've only read the boss baby deck. Um, you know. So yeah. Anyway. Uh, I
1: think that's just the way, honestly. Like. Th- this are. is one of my favorite things yeah. about media, right? Is like, okay, how do I do the 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 connection from the last thing that I watched to the next thing that I yeah. watched? Like, how can I thematically link what's going on? Yeah. Right? Like, I think that's fun. I like to do it. For so it I'm razzing you a little right bit, now. like good-naturedly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, but, a, little, a little razzing never hurt anybody. Uh, leave yeah. Leave a comment if you think if you think I've only seen Boss Baby. Um, but yeah, this is uh, Matt. Matt, talk about this chapter a bit
1: um i mean i i feel like we've hit a lot of the big points of it but i, I the know. thing that the thing I that i noted know. i don't know the thing that i noted was that the two doctor characters well i i do think it's notable that you know we said well why don't we cut to this person why don't we cut to this person i think it's notable that we the people we open with are people who were saved by ten months doctoring right and then we move to two exactly. doctor characters who their takeaway is well i can't stop being a doctor you know, I need to, Tenma has inspired me, I need to keep helping other people, right? It's, everyone is inspired to help because he helped them. The other thing that we come back to is, you know, we pointed this out a couple times ago, is there's this whole idea that, man, you sure were lucky that Tenma showed up when he did, right? It's, here are all these people who were helped, you know, who who got some of his luck, and now they're they're trying to pay it back. Yeah. Um yeah that's 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 what i've got here okay. the, i mean the only other note i had is how are there three volumes left there are three f- i mean and like there are six tankobon editions left which is like 54 chapters of manga right how is there that much left i don't understand this is an end of the story chapter and yet and continually yet. shocked yeah by yeah. how this continues to oh, keep going we
0: got more we got somewhere to do okay I have, a, I have a few more notes on this one, this is technically an Urasawa open, which we haven't been calling mm, out uh, for yeah. the last few episodes. Even when they have happened, we haven't been calling out. Because they've been minor.
1: They haven't really they, been... Yeah, they haven't been, yeah. like, crazy.
0: Uh, but this is technically an Urasawa open, because we don't really know who... We don't know these people, and we don't know what they're here for, for a few pages.
1: I did. At first, I was um, like, are these people who survived a Kinderheim or something like mm, that? Because mm. my first thought was... Because I think very, very immediately before this, we talked about how bonaparte was like a you know neuroscientist phd i was like well maybe are these people who have benefited from his experiments but no it's hmm. ten patients. patience yeah
0: yeah it's his patients, and i think the most important thing for us to you know pick out about this chapter is that this is a reflection of johan an inversion johan hmm. isolates johan breaks apart uh Doctor Tenma brings people together, and not only does he bring people together; they stay together without him. He helps bonds be Huge. literally created. You know, like those, like the people at the start. We don't know them, but they all know Tenma. They all know each other, and they and they yeah. all
1: they all know Tenma. They all know each other. It, I, it's so nice when they ask yeah. the younger guy, like, "How is school going?" Yeah, stuff like it's that. So sweet. Yeah. You know,
0: um, and and then like Reichwein and and Ava, they connect here over Tenma as well. So it's just this. This idea that that Johan is acting as a wedge and Tenma is acting as a bridge, you know? And even though Tenma has been trying to isolate himself, has been trying to become more and more like Johan in order to take him out, uh, he can't do it. He's a doctor. All he can do is heal and bring together.
1: Damn, yeah. No, if we think about it, like, okay, so this story's been Tenma following, like, the, the, the wound that Johan is cutting across oh, Europe, my right?
0: Oh, God!
1: And, like everywhere it's tenmas just suturing it up behind him right and it's like all these connections that he's left it's so sick it's good
0: yeah it's really good it's really really good and i love it a lot and i think this chapter really really tells you what you know like what some of these themes like actually are and what they're actually doing you mm-hmm. know and and how we are meant to understand Tenma's role cuz there are people like you see um I've seen like some a couple of video essays. I haven't watched them, but that they're like Tenma and Johan, two sides of the same coin, and I'm like, "No. No. Sorry. No. Like they have things in common, but that's not what two sides of the same coin means." Yeah. <laughs> you know, they are intended to be deeply contrasting characters. Uh and that's that's, you know, like I Anna like Nina and Johan are two sides of the same coin because they're yes. literally the same coin. They're
1: the same like, like face. Yeah. You know, so.
0: just just cause a just cause a phrase looks like it fits doesn't mean it's um it's a good way to see the situation. No. I really Yeah, I think this chapter is sweet end, and kind of after this point, I can remember pretty much the last volume. I don't remember how we get from here to there.
1: See, this is fascinating all. to me. So, Because I don't know if that means that what happens between here and there is, like, meaningless and no, important, no, or if it's I, just, like, so bananas that there's no way I can predict where...
0: I think it's, it's just that I'm constantly cramming my head full of media and I, I can't hold on to all of it, is, like, yeah. the literal answer. Uh, and it also means that the end of it is... Is very memorable because it really a, a is a banger. Okay, I would say. Um, so I'm excited to get there. I'm really excited to read the next volume.
1: I can't wait. Like tonight, Super I'm gonna go. Like I said, to I'm gonna go get pizza for dinner, and then I'm going yeah. to read the next reading. I'm, I'm probably like, gonna crack it recording. open as, as
0: soon as we're done recording. As soon as I yeah. hit the, the stop button, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Um, segments, favorite Tenma moment.
1: Um, for me, it is him when when uh grimmer reveals this whole thing about he can't smile he needs to figure out how to smile and temo looks concerned i, I called it out when we we're going through it and then his yeah. response is we should go see those kids i think i like, might the agree way that with he you. handles that
0: i think i might agree with you it's a really it's so natural um and it's it's really simple but it's also you know a really meaningful thing to do for another person mm-hmm. i i agree with that being um being my favorite tenma okay a uh, favorite side character
1: um i think it's lunga telling uh sook that he needs to think long and hard about who did hmm. this like hmm. the tough love that he gives to Suk.
0: yeah i think mine is also lunga and it is and it is um bring me a coffee no wait i'm on vacation bring me a beer that is
1: a good one you know
0: i think that's a i think that's really funny i love lunga just excited to too. have him back in the mix Absolutely, absolutely jazzed for it. Thrilled. Yeah. yeah.
1: I'm glad. I, here's, uh, you know, I'm going to do another prediction. I think him and Ava are going to show up at the same time to get Tenma out of jail. Mm,
0: that'd be fun. Because th-
1: they have been characters who show up together most of the time is, is the thing. So yeah. I I don't know. We'll see. Cool. Uh, Minor character, unnamed.
0: Minor character slash unnamed. Um... I really do love the sequence where Milos is counting his way to three times That's a eight. good one. Yeah. So, and, and the teacher is so supportive. She's like, you're almost there. Um,
1: yeah. I just think that that's is nice. really,
0: it's really cute. It's really sweet.
1: I like that We get to see Petra and Schumann and Petra's son again. Right. Cause Petra's yeah. son, if everyone will remember is where I had the very funny bit where we said, there's only one way out of this mess. <laughs> Racism. Racism. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: one of our best bits to be
1: sure it's one of the funniest bits that we've done yeah. uh, and i know people love it when we talk about how funny we think we are but yeah yeah, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah i we get we get a lot of feedback on that get a lot of like ads on twitter and stuff yeah us that the funniest
1: lots of, of lots of engagement is,
0: uh, yeah oh yeah yeah when we yeah, toot really our horns for, um yeah yeah man. but
1: i like that guy a lot i like yes. that they're like a nice happy family the 10 months put together me too yeah
0: um
1: who's I... rocking this week Mm. i thought Indeed. i had an answer and now i can't remember oh well this is, does not like qualify qualify but to me like lunga breaking down that wall to me that's dude's rock
0: <laughs> it, that it's, is... it, it could be is it lunga again hmm. <sighs> that could, i don't know that'd be, kind of, that'd be kind of fun i i don't know if anybody's like here's my, well it is true that that editor guy doesn't have a wife like it doesn't seem like he has a wife. He didn't mention no. a wife, but he has, he has a, a daughter. daughter. So, like, maybe he got so into, maybe he got so into editing these creepy children's stories and collecting newspaper clippings. Well,
1: he I, lost yeah, I his will wife. say having a wall of newspaper clippings is extreme divorced man behavior. Mm,
0: yeah, and it's like, like he doesn't specify. It's like, oh, I like collecting columns about this or that. He just seems to collect. He newspapers. just says he reads like, newspapers from, from around hoarding? the world. I just think yeah. he's hoarding. So I I think actually we're going to say retired children's story editors are rocking this week. They're rocking this
1: week. I agree. That's a good call. Yeah. Very, very good. Quinn, where can the people find you?
0: Uh, In their hearts, in the stars, in the skies above. Um, You can also find me uh, at authenticity.trip on TikTok I have two count them two super reviews in my drafts I'm going to get those edited I'm going to get them posted and the era of super reviews is going to be back um I I Summer review soups. I review canned soup um is something that I like to do because I love canned soup I eat a lot of it and uh you know me listeners when I when I like something enough well I I like to I like to let the world know so canned soup reviews uh and I'll just give you guys a little sneak peek uh, they oh, are for, exclusive they are for Exc- two exclusive <laughs> <laughs> uh they are both for different brands of split pea soup and i will leave them I- i'll leave it at that um you know so thrilling if that if that what's your whistle two cliffhangers
1: in this episode <laughs> what what split pea soups and what will tenma do to get out of jail yeah,
0: exactly um yeah, you can find my RPG work at two zero zero proof itch io, and on Twitter. any percent
1: is out now. Go buy any yeah, percent yeah. review any it's percent. Any it's percent. very good.
0: Or or just take one of the free copies. Actually, no, no buy you it. can you can buy it. Um, I I put out a bunch of free copies, and then people just took the free copies and didn't buy it. So I'd really I would like it if you bought it. Um, buy any percent. That would be yours. really that would be great. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Um, yeah. Uh, and and basically basically that's me matt who are you hey and uh where can where can people find you in the labyrinth
1: yeah i'm i'm matt finnell oh in the labyrinth that's yeah in the labyrinth. like I, I really liked the bit you did last week about you were in the, <laughs> in woods, the woods like trying to find you yeah 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 <laughs> The labyrinth is good. I like that. Um, well, I'm, I'm Matt am I'm in Chattanooga. If you're ever in the area, just text me. We'll go get dinner or something. I don't. I don't know. Once
0: again, listeners, we must emphasize: don't. Don't. Do that.
1: Actually, don't. I said don't do that. We at the very beginning we had a long bit about parasocial <laughs> relationships. Okay, two
0: bits. Two bits about this. I like the idea that that uh, Chattanooga is in the labyrinth, like the entirety well, of Chattanooga. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Fair um, enough. And also that uh, speaking of texting. Uh, I just remembered earlier. in the recording. Uh, Villa Fox act- actually, uh, one of, oh, our, one of our patrons. Yeah, they, yeah, they messaged me, and Thank their you, their Fox. library is out of of monster. Um, oh no! And and the even more interesting thing is that uh, their library seems to actually have the uh, original. <gasps> it has. It has really? the original. Well, yeah. Well, they had, but now it's been lost. Like it's not just checked out; it's been lost. So they used. So somebody, somebody out wherever Villa is has has a volume of uh has at least the first volume of that's of monster in the original yeah. in the original Tonka So I think that's <laughs> there you go. Hi Vil, thanks for thanks for the message. Hey, thank thanks for, for the money. Though. Uh and uh I really I really appreciate you. Um but yeah.
1: Yeah but I I'm, I'm in Chattanooga. I'm also at uh, blarple.net, B-L-A-R-P-L-E dot net um probably actually probably tomorrow night uh we're recording this on six twenty. well this is no use to our listeners because it will have happened by now yeah but tomorrow night i think i'm gonna stream either mario golf or uh at jrpg on uh on twitch so i'll probably start doing that uh like every other week for the rest mm. of the summer Yeah.
0: That'd
1: be um fun. so so you maybe can get me there
0: maybe i should jump on one of your streams
1: absolutely i'd love to have you no i'm at uh mm. twitch.tv slash matt Fennell um yep. i am on i run the Urosawa boys twitter we're at Urosawa boys on twitter uh we have a patreon it's that patreon. Site dot com. Is becoming
0: less relevant by the day
1: no i know i'm trying like to get like Guy like a
0: while back like we were talking about how like oh twitter's blowing up and it doesn't seem to have blown up but it does it's it's dying it just sucks now it's it's dying really fast like it is he's talking about
1: pivot to video you know it's not
0: like, useful anymore we should really we should make like a tiktok or something I, yeah, don't know, I don't know smart. what we should know, fucking do. What would I do. post on
1: the TikTok? I don't even like posting Oh on my Twitter. god,
0: thank you for reminding me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What we would post is we would post Johan uh, uh, Liebert uh, uh, <laughs> fan cams. Um, I found a YouTube channel called Mr. Dodo. All he posts, all he posts are 30 second Johan Liebert fan cams set, set to music. It is like, like fan edits. Like, you know what I'm talking about? He's been yeah. doing this for like the last year. It is like all Johan and like a couple of like Jojo. It is, it is wild. And I, when I found it, I I knew I had to shout it out. So everybody,
1: Mr. Dodo, Mr. Oh, Mr. Dodo on these. YouTube,
0: go and check it out. It is so,
1: this is so it's, bizarre.
0: it's, it's, it, I'll say this, it is from the heart, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is from the heart.
1: I mean, uh, I think as the TikTok girlies would say, Johan Liebert is baby girl. Um, fuck,
0: you're <laughs> so right. That is, ab- God, Jesus. Oh, I don't think, okay. And with that, and with that
1: and with uh,
0: that follow us on patreon give us a little bit of money if you're so inclined i i just quit my job so uh Hell so we yeah. are gonna have time to make that bonus content that you guys it's have coming. been paying us for thank you so much um and we're looking forward to making more stuff looking forward to talking a whole lot in places where you can hear it and um and yeah just just really thank you thank you so much for listening and thanks for being a friend
1: thanks for being a friend